Kids are bombarded with so much information these days. It can be hard for them to discern the messages that are important and valuable. The What I Tell Myself book series from author Michael A. Brown is an award-winning series that has been featured on CBS, Fox, and NBC for their powerful and positive messages for kids. Based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Michael A. Brown's book, What I Tell Myself First, Children's Real-World Affirmations of Self-Esteem, is a book of real-world affirmations that highlight the various abilities and attributes of the reader, while exposing readers to realistic possibilities of rejection of difference in various forms. The author also writes books about self-protection, talent, impatience, and more. These are colorful and inspiring books that you and your children will love. They're full of easy-to-understand positive messages that are heartwarming and impactful. You can learn more about the wonderful books from author Michael A. Brown online at whatitellmyselffirst.com. That's whatitellmyselffirst.com. Welcome to On The Mic With Mike. We don't always have these conversations with our loved ones, but we need to. The podcast that addresses controversial issues that affect us in the criminal justice system. Do you understand what we had to get to to carry a gun and defend ourselves? And even cultural challenges we face every day. People just love to make it about race. That's not the case. What causes you to be in a relationship that may lead to a potential domestic issue down the line? Resolve your unconscious bias and grow from an independent perspective based on facts and data. Why not use statistics in your analysis? And now your host. Do I seem like I'm on something or am I just losing it? Instructor Mike. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome tonight on Instructor Mike. Triggered with Instructor Mike and friends, we are going to talk about Alec Baldwin being charged in the shooting death of Elena Hutchins and the aggravated battery of one of the other persons on the Rust set. We're also going to talk about uh, two officers down, one in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as well as one in the city of New York. We're also going to talk about Chicago's mayoral election. For those of you all who are Chicagoans and are curious about the stuff that's going on, we're also going to talk about the Memphis Five and get into that discussion. And we're going to talk about some of the things relative to Illinois' gun ban. Illinois' gun ban. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Going on there, this is Chicago Police and Service about his question. Don't you do it? Don't you do it? Y'all, because y'all gonna understand that self-defense is a serious business. We do it. Military forces, man forces, make a difference. One of the tactics that would increase the decrease in the two-way community. Comment is um, 
Taiwan. Hey, you'll be back. Hey. <laughs> but no, so Marquise Moreno, peace. All right, what's going on? What's going on? Go ahead and hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Without any further delay, we're going to go on ahead and jump right into it. I do want to recognize you guys in the comments. Uh, what's it? Mommy, Granny, Belly. I, I don't know who that is. Sally Francis Ford, what's going on? How are you all doing? Culinary a uh, Aviator, what's going on? All right, go ahead and hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, all that stuff. Hit the bell for notifications. Go on ahead and hit the share button. We're going to go on ahead and dive right into it. I'm Instructor Mike. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things. One coming straight out of what's going on. <laughs> what's going on, Will? <laughs> what's going on? What's going on? Hey, Gino, what's going on? It said Elio from Alabama. Roll Tide. What's going on? What's going on? All right, let's go on ahead and dive into it. We're going to go on ahead and talk about the Milwaukee police officer that was killed in a shootout. Yeah, we got two officers down. There could be some other ones, but those are the ones that are making headlines right now. Let's go on ahead and... Well, a Milwaukee look. police officer is dead after a shootout with a 19-year-old robbery suspect. Now this morning, we are learning more about the 37-year-old officer. His name is Peter Jerving. Brett Vickery for Live Sister Station in Milwaukee is live where a memorial outside the police department is growing in that officer's honor. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. It's a somber day here in Milwaukee. Now, the day after uh, the officer died, you can see here I'm at District 4 from Milwaukee Police Department. This is where Jerving was stationed. You can see balloons. There's even a jersey here, flowers, of course, at this memorial. There were officers here gathered here saying prayers and, of course, standing in solidarity and, of course, grief following this officer's death. Now, this all began when he and his partner responded to a call on the city's south side around 1.15 yesterday morning. Investigators say the 37-year-old and his police partner tried stopping robbery suspect Terrell Thompson. That's when there was a struggle. Police say the suspect fired at Officer Jerving. Officer Jerving then fired back. The 19-year-old did not survive. Officer Jerving was to transport it to the hospital. He later died there. So a processional from Freighter Hospital here in Milwaukee to the Milwaukee Medical Examiner's Office immediately followed. I was there just seeing these first responders standing in salute, tears streaming down their faces was a sight to see. First responders from all over the city were lining the streets to pay their respects. Leaders say Jerving was living out his dream as a police officer before his life ended tragically. His family sharing a statement and the MPD chaplain read it at a news conference yesterday. Officer Peter Jervings loved and dedicated his life to serving the great people of our city. To his last breath, Peter fulfilled that goal. This has been a really tough 24 hours for Milwaukee. Previous to yesterday, almost to the date, it's been four years since an officer has died in the line of duty. And then before that, it was 22 years before Milwaukee Police Department had to bury one of their own, Officer Jerving, who's again living out his dream as a police officer. He was a lifelong Milwaukee resident. He is um, survived by his mother, father, brothers, and sisters. There's another police department here in the area that's investigating this shooting as the Milwaukee Police Department, of course, grieves their loss. Reporting live in Milwaukee, I'm Brett Vickery. Back to you. Brett, thank you. 
And we're going to go right into uh, the one discussing about what happened in New York. And then we'll have a conversation about that. Thank you. Also breaking tonight, our first look at the accused killer of an off-duty New York cop shot during an attempted robbery. His brothers and sisters in blue turning out in force to pay their respects. Eyewitness News reporter Josh Einiger live in Brooklyn with the charges the suspect now faces. Josh. Dave and Shade, Randy Jones is charged tonight with murder for shooting officer Adid Fayaz in the head. The five-year veteran clung to life for three days before his family took him off life support earlier today. Tonight, New York's finest began the devastating process of saying goodbye to a fallen brother. The body of 26-year-old officer Adid Fayaz, draped in the NYPD flag, started the journey from a Brooklyn hospital to his final resting place, past his wife and their two young kids, one of them captivated by the helicopters above and far too young to comprehend how their life has changed forever. If you're fortunate enough to have children, imagine their father never coming home again. They'll never be okay from this. A few miles away, a different kind of procession. 38-year-old Randy Jones walked a gauntlet of blue Officers from Fayaz's 66th precinct in Borough Park stood in stony silence watching the accused cop killer be taken to central booking. The victim in this case is an NYPD officer. We will relentlessly pursue anyone who carries an illegal firearms or shoots someone in this city. Over the weekend, Fayaz, who was off duty, went with his brother-in-law to meet a man about a car they'd seen advertised on Facebook Marketplace. But police believe it was just a ruse. And when the pair arrived on Ruby Street in East New York Saturday night, cops say Jones was waiting. He then grabs our officer in a headlock real quick and demands money. Uh, when he says, I don't have any, points the gun at the brother-in-law. As our officer pulls, this happens in a matter of seconds, as our officer pulls free, he fires a shot strike at our officer. Over the next two days, detectives would track the suspect to a motel room in Rockland County, where yesterday they took him into custody using handcuffs belonging to Officer Fayaz, who'd fulfilled a childhood dream when he became a New York City cop. Tonight, after his brothers and sisters saw him off at the hospital, doctors too racked with grief. The PBA president spoke of those two little kids, too young to understand, but old enough that they'll never forget. The hole in their heart will never go away. There's no such thing as closure. You get used to the pain. So we'll pray that we get justice, that the murderer that our detectives have captured gets a fair trial, a complete trial, and then put behind bars for the rest of their lives. The suspect, Jones, who has had several prior arrests, including one for strangulation, will be arraigned tomorrow on charges of murder and attempted robbery. All right. When we look at those situations, uh, very, very sad. Very sad. Uh, thoughts and prayers go out to both Milwaukee Police Department and the New York uh, City Police Department. Um, it's it's a huge difference um, when you decide you want to put on that uniform and you want to uh, serve the public. It does come with a lot of risk. And especially when you're off duty, when you're off duty, when you're off duty, there are so many type of things that could happen when you're off duty. 
Um, and especially something like this, you know, this is not the first time, especially in New York, this is not the first time that you hear of people uh, advertising for items just to ruse people uh, or to get people to a specific location for other intentions, not the first time. And so you just have to be careful uh, about those things. And that's where we get to the discussion about the Memphis Five, which is coming up. We get the discussion about the Memphis Five, about mentorship, you know, and about using other people's circumstances that they have gone through to teach what, if anything, could be done differently. You know, uh, people say hindsight is twenty twenty. Yes, that's definitely the case. But even though hindsight is twenty twenty, at what point in time do we ramp up our training efforts, uh, both on duty, off duty, and in the community, to try as best we can to, you know, uh, repeat these lessons uh, before people have to lose their lives. You know, uh, and that's that. That's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm thinking about as well. Um, so. We won't spend too much time on that, uh, but just extend our thoughts and prayers uh, from this channel instructor, Mike, uh, and everybody else in the comments too, okay? All right, you said you subscribe to the TikTok. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Culinary Aviator says, are not guns against the law in New York? Of course, they're against the law, but obviously, you know, we know that laws are not going to stop people who have no intentions on abiding with the law or abiding by the law, especially as it references to the possession of firearms. They don't care about this stuff. Okay. Um, so do me a favor. I am watching. I do see that there are 14 likes, 56 people watching. If you can go on ahead and smash that like button, smash that like button, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Can we possibly get to maybe uh, 25 likes, maybe 30 likes, if not more. Okay. Um, let's go on ahead and move on to uh, the next thing that we're going to discuss, which is Alec Baldwin being we have just learned out west with uh, involuntary manslaughter in the Rust shooting. Let's have a discussion on that. And I'm going to drop the link for those of you all who do want to come up and uh, discuss this. I know it's been a minute since we actually had a show on uh, Wednesday night. But let's keep going. What's up, Inc. 21? Here we go. Let's go on ahead and uh, watch this. Here we go. As the prosecutors are now officially filing felony charges of involuntary manslaughter against actor and producer Alec Baldwin and the killing of that cinematographer on the film set of Rust. And listen, these are charges that Baldwin's team had been expecting. So they've been prepared. They've already promised to fight these charges. They think they will win. Tonight, Baldwin's spokesperson is declining to comment. This comes after the district attorney today is not only going after Baldwin, but the film's armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. She's the person who is supposed to be, who is in charge of handling the guns and the weapons on set. Both of them charged with involuntary manslaughter, but the special investigator writing that Baldwin acted with willful disregard of the safety of others, adding he should have known the danger of his actions, which led to the death of Helena Hutchins. So now that these charges are filed, the big question is what happens next if this all goes to a trial, if a judge thinks it's warranted? Remember the backstory here? And this was obviously huge, uh, significant news when it happened. Baldwin during a rehearsal was pointing a gun at Hutchins when it went off. 
killing her not long after and hurting the film's director. Nayala Charles is following all of this for us live from L.A. Nayala, we know that Gutierrez-Reed and Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, is going to show up in a New Mexico court sometime in the next couple of weeks. Take us through the filing, what to expect, and where this goes from here. Holly, we're getting a lot of new information from the probable cause statement that was just released, which answers why, as an actor-producer for the movie, Baldwin was charged. According to that document, Baldwin was not present for required firearms training prior to mm. filming and had limited training in firearms. The probable cause document also says Baldwin failed to demand two safety checks where the armorer is supposed to show the actor the firearm pull the bullets out in front of them and confirm there are no live rounds. In it, the DA's office says if Baldwin would have done those required safety checks, the tragedy wouldn't have happened. It goes on to say that as a veteran actor, Baldwin should have assumed the gun was loaded as a matter of gun safety. There's a lot of information we're still working through, but that's what it says so far here in the probable cause statement. Hallie? Help us understand the idea of the of a potential for a trial here. So a judge would still have to say, yes, this should go to trial. If that happens, what? Does that happen by, you know, to January now? Can we assume that happens by the end of the year? Well, the court documents say Gutierrez-Reed was not in the room at, this, in this, uh, at the case of the fatal rehearsal, another protocol violation there. So Hall's presence there is very important. We know that in his plea agreement, he admitted to negligent use of a deadly weapon. The DA's office says is that's supposed to be releasing that agreement today, too. Hallie? Um, there's this other interesting point of um, the films. I think it was the assistant director, David Halls, who is potentially going to be tapped to testify against Baldwin to appear at this trial. Um, that is a dynamic that would be rather extraordinary, frankly. Right, it would. And again, that's because of the fact that he was there at the time of this fatal rehearsal. So, like I said, the DA is supposed to release that probable or the plea agreement that he entered in which he uh, pled guilty to uh, negligent use of a deadly right, okay. weapon. So that's where we hope to learn more from that re the release of that document. Hallie? And that's something that we haven't seen yet at this point. The whole focus of this, right, is about Helena Hutchins, her family. The DA says the evidence speaks for itself here. I mean, this is something that her family, um, fr frankly, has, has seemed to have been, of course, wrecked by since this shooting happened. Right. We know that they are in support of the district attorney's quest to find justice for her and seek charges here. So now, as we look forward to this, we'll see what they say in the days ahead. Hallie? So, Thanks for also tonight, I'm about that. What are, your, what are your thoughts on this, on Baldwin being charged? Sound off in the comments. What are your thoughts on Baldwin being charged. Those of you all who have followed me um, and remember when this when this story first broke, you remember, if you do, what I had said about this already. Um, I don't know if I necessarily. We have just. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree. This is the next video Why that I was gonna play, and I'm gonna go on ahead and play this because here you got the prosecutors. Uh, laying out the reason why they chose to charge him. And I tend to have, I agree in part and disagree in part. Um, let's listen to what they had to say 
and then we'll go on ahead and just get into that discussion. And I'll drop the link because I know there's going to be some people who maybe want to talk about this. If you do, cool. If not, that's fine. Let's push. Here we go. Alec Baldwin with involuntary manslaughter and not something less. Well, because it actually fits the statute, um, if you look at the statute. But but he was actually the producer on this film. He was present on scene. Um, he's an actor who's probably starred in 40-plus gun movies, so he's very familiar. And he said, I believe, in reports and interviews that he's very familiar with the use of guns. The gun was not checked by him or with the armor, which is standard protocol where you actually, I mean, you may not have to check it himself, but he's supposed to check it with her. And had he done that um, and, of course, not pointed a, a firearm at somebody that you're, you know, rules of the firearm, you don't point a gun at somebody unless you're intending to act actually shoot them. Um, and he did all those things, which ultimately resulted in Helena Hutchins' death. What tipped the scale and made this a felony case? Well, to us, it was because the conduct overall by him and Hannah Gutierrez and David Halls was reckless. There's been a lot of questions about, about how the weapon was fired. Alec Baldwin says he never pulled the trigger, that he just released the hammer of the gun. What did your findings come up? Well, that he definitely pulled the trigger, and that's confirmed by the FBI report. You believe Alec Baldwin pulled the trigger yes and aimed it at helena hutchins not intentionally you know trying to hurt her or anything but i believe his conduct was reckless and he did do that do you believe alec baldwin should go to prison um you know i it's not my it's not my call right now to believe whether he goes to prison or not um our focus is to get justice for helena hutchins and and to let everybody know that just because you're an a-list actor you're not going to um, be above the law why charge hannah gutierrez Rudy? because she was the armorer on the set and she should have been checking the bullets, checking the guns, checking everything multiple times, never handing it to anyone unless she had personally made sure that all of those bullets were, were actually dummies. And she clearly didn't do that here. There were also at least five other bullets found on the set. They shouldn't have been there and she should have caught that. that that's her job. She should have caught that. And the fact that she didn't means that she gets charged with this. Do you think they're both equally culpable here? I, I do. Dave Halls handed the weapon to Alec Baldwin. He yelled out cold gun when it was in fact loaded with a bullet. Should he only have probation? When we were really started looking at the case, it wasn't obvious that he did say cold gun, and it wasn't obvious that he actually was the one that handed it to Baldwin. Um, he may have looked at the gun, which he did, uh, but we don't even we can't even say for sure that he actually touched that firearm. What's Dave Halls' role in this? Is he going? Is he willing to testify against Alec Baldwin and Hannah Gutierrez? Reed? He will testify. Well, we looked at that aspect because everyone seemed very concerned with how did live rounds get on the set, and unfortunately, that may be a question we're never going to be able to answer. This was something that was more than mere negligence. It was people acting recklessly, people not doing their jobs, people not following safety protocols, not following safety standards, and violating all of the standards that we all have to follow if we have a gun in our hands. And so because of that, I would say this is not just an accident. This is a criminal accident. Prison is not necessarily the goal. What I want is justice for Helena Hutchins, and I want people to take responsibility and take accountability for what their actions or inactions led to. And that's Helena Hutchins' death. So I got questions. I got questions. I got questions. You all know it. Since when have you ever heard a prosecutor say, in the death of someone, 
When have you ever heard the prosecutor say that prison is not the goal? Let's go there. I'm already thinking like a defense attorney. If they're not looking for prison time, I smell a weak case. Let's call facts. If they are not looking for prison time, I smell a weak case. On one hand, you said just because a person is an A-list actor doesn't mean they get to escape the law. But then in the death of someone, you say in a criminal prosecution that prison is not the goal, I smell a weak case. Now, I think one thing that they have not touched on is location. Yes, we know the location that it occurred in a specific county, in a specific state, but they kept saying standards. They kept saying standards. And by the way, we're talking criminal. We're not talking about civil. Civil. Okay? When we're talking about a civil case, does Alec Baldwin bear responsibility? Say less. The armorer? Say less. The whole team? Say less. Yes. Right? But when we're looking at criminal culpability and Alec Baldwin on a movie set, we kept hearing standards, 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 standards. When you look just on open source, there are no standards for actors. There are no standards for producers. That's why you have the armorer there. Why do you have the armorer there? You have the armorer there who is supposed to be the subject matter expert and the enforcer of all things firearms. You cause them to go through the firearms training, but you and I both know that nine times out of 10, producers don't always go. There are certain A-list actors who, hey, it's an assumption they know. Come on, there are these standards, standards, standards. And I think where people are getting things confused is you're comparing your NRA, USCCA, you know, uh, National Shooting Sports Foundation, any other particular foundational rules that say, assume every firearm is loaded, point that firearm in a safe direction, keep your finger off the trigger, or more importantly, right, know your target or know your target and what's beyond it. Never point a firearm at anything you are not willing to shoot. N-K-I-L-L, destroy, take the life of. That is real life gun usage as it relates to off the movie set, safe practice of firearms handling. But when we're talking about movie sets, when we're talking about 
airsoft, when we're talking about training, right? And even let's go you further with this. I was watching a video on Instagram where there were two people who were obviously special operators, right? And they were facing each other. There was a beat. They took out their firearms. They leaned to the side and they pop, 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 shot at different targets on the behind the person they were in front of. And then one of the firearms instructors said, well, what are your thoughts about this? Everybody else is like, no, oh my God, it's too risky. It's too risky. Just be honest. Your only experience is you've been used to always facing in one direction, static, maybe certain moving, you know, USPSA, whatever the case may be. And you're shooting at something that's not shooting back at you. Let's be honest. You have probably not practiced in a real environment, in a real shoot house where there's the likelihood of other things. Do you even go paintballing? You see what I'm saying? There's a lot of other training environments where these, assume every firearm is loaded, point that firearm in a safe direction, keep your finger off the trigger. These rules get violated all the time in real life training. Why? Because real life is anything but rules. Anything but rules. And so when you get boxed into one way of thinking, that is perhaps the reason why some people, when they get into a real situation, they become slaves to those rules and they practice those rules all the time to the point where the brain hasn't been exposed to anything outside of the context of those rules. So you freak around and freeze up. Mm -hmm. Just like I'll give you case in point, Miles training when we were in the military. Right? When you were in the military and Op 4 was shooting at you, bop, bing, as soon as you heard that beat, what were you told? Dead. Is that real life? No. You could be shot and still keep going. Person could have hit you. You might even know it until somebody had to remind you, and then your brain freaks out. You get into a training situation, pop, get hit with an aerosol. What do you do? Hands up. Oh, I'm out. That's not real life. And so when you look at things contextually on a movie set, if it was the case that Alec Baldwin or even the, the director, assistant director, was expected to know, then why are they even charging the armorer? She could have even, now we know why they're charging her, because the responsibility is all hers. But it seems like in this case, <clears throat> they want to blanketly charge everybody, eat your cake and have it too. No. The fact that they're not looking for prison time, I smell a weak case. I smell a real weak case. And I think, just a projection, Alec Baldwin may be found not guilty in this. But not for the armorer not doing her job, there would be no bullets, no live rounds on the set for Elena Hutchinson, I think that's her name, Hutchins, to have even been shot with. How many times has Elena Hutchins had guns pointed at her? And this is not talking about anything relative to her life and the fact that she should still be here. But let's go you there because this is going to be a criminal trial. How many times has Elena Hutchins had guns pointed at her and she did not freak out? Because that's normal in Hollywood to have guns pointed at you. That's par for the course. And it's also par for the course for the armorer to do their job. But here, 
you got the armorer who's the daughter of an even more experienced armorer, her father, where had he been on set, the likelihood of this occurring would have never happened. And we're not trying to see, I think part of the Second Amendment 2A community is they're so focused on Alec Baldwin's anti-gun stance to the point where they can't separate his gun stance and their training from the situation in this and look at who's responsible for what. When you're so boxed in the theory, well, you should have checked it because I check it. We're not talking about you. We're not talking about you, the Marine, you, the soldier, you, the sailor, if you even touch a gun, you, the airman, your coast guardian or space forceian, whatever the name is. We're not talking about you. We're talking about Alec Baldwin, who is an actor, director, producer, experienced with firearms. And in this case, how many sets? Let's talk Hollywood. Let's talk Hollywood. How many times do they play around on set? Right? We talk about rules, standards. I dare you to look it up online, open source information, and find the doggone standards. Find the standards. You can find the NRA's standards. You can find USCCA's standards. You might even be able to find NAGA standards, National African American Gun Association, right? You'll be able to find a, a whole bunch of other range rules that'll sit there and say, Somebody firearm is loaded, point that firearm in safe direction, keep your finger off the trigger. Right? You can sit there and find that. Now, Jane, I see your comment. You said, the only thing I disagree with is that they didn't show up for training or whatever they called it. He thinks he's above it. So some responsibility lies with him. Civilly, yes. Criminally, I don't know. Because remember, we're talking about standards, but we aren't talking about Hollywood. We're not talking about the military. We're not talking about law enforcement. We're not talking about even security where there are written curricula and standards. And then even, oh, 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 oh let's go you so far there. How many concealed carry instructors are out here? Half button, I'm trying to curse, half button training. And all of a sudden they're not really holding people to the standards. They're just collecting the money passing certificates out. How many security agencies don't keep up with the training? Do you know in Illinois, police chiefs and sheriffs have to go through annual training? Don't FOIA. Don't FOIA. How many of them haven't gone through the training? Want to talk about standards? So if we're really going to have that conversation and they're talking about standards, I think you're opening up a can of worms for Alec to save himself on the stand by outing a bunch of Hollywood lackadaisical standards or the lack thereof. How certain people are allowed to get away with this and get away with that. It's the culture. It's the mindset. And so if his attorney can place the jury in the mindset of Hollywood, and the lax standards, the creative, the creative artistic expressions and the liberties that they take on set, they might be able to, by way of legal argument, reduce his culpability where it falls below proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Now you said the there's a difference between policy and law. 
Once the weapon is called code by the armorer, nobody is supposed to open the action. According to who? According, they keep saying standards. Whose standards? The only person who is supposed to know, supposed to know, is the armorer. Take, for example, a concealed carry class. So I have my students go on to the range. They're playing around with stuff and I'm letting them and something happens, pop, and they do something. Who do you think they're going to hold responsible, them or me? Now, they may try to prosecute both of us, but it's going to fall on me. I'm the one who's supposed to be the subject matter expert about this. And I'll get to your comment, William. I'm supposed to be the one that's the subject matter expert about this. I'm supposed to be the one that's assertive, that's supposed to establish and dominate and control that situation, even up to the taking of another human being's life for trying to sacrifice the life of another person through reckless actions. I am responsible. That's why we have to have the high levels of insurance that we have to have. Not the people who are attending the class. You see what I'm saying? And so you said, but Baldwin lied about pressing the trigger. He said it went off on its own. Do you think he knew about the live ammunition on the set? I don't think he even knew about it. In one interview, I hear him saying he pressed the trigger and he had the hammer down. Let's test and see how many people know about revolvers and how they work. So if I have a single action revolver or even a double action revolver and I press the trigger while holding the hammer at the same time, if I release that hammer while still pressing the trigger... What happens to the hammer? The hammer goes where? Put it in the comments. The hammer goes where? I'll repeat it again. I'm pulling back the hammer, pressing the trigger. Because if you understand a single action revolver, if the hammer is forward, you press the trigger, nothing happens because it's only single action. So could I see him pressing his finger on the trigger and pulling back the hammer while not paying attention to the fact that his finger is still on the trigger. And then all of a sudden he lets the hammer go thinking that it's going to lock back, but he forgets that his finger is still on the trigger. Guess where that hammer is going to go? It's going to go forward. You can put him through the safety classes all you want to. If you don't go through the practice of it religiously, rigorously, to make sure they know it, and for you to be like a drill instructor on the doggone range, where you are controlling even to the perp, even to the length of pissing the person off, where you are controlling this why because it's your life, other people's lives on the line. You don't care about losing your job. You see what I'm saying? And so one person, Dylan said, there's absolutely no required education to become an armorer. Hollywood would hire the fired person or the right person they deem qualified. You see what I'm saying? And so when we're talking about that and we're talking about the lack standards, they just kept saying standards. What are these standards of which you speak? 
Are we talking a professional firearms class where it's security officers, police officers, military personnel, concealed carry students? Or are we talking a very liberal, lackadaisical, there are no standards, Hollywood movie set where if called to testify, plenty of directors would sit here and say, though the armorer, that's the reason we hire an armorer. We hire an armorer because the rest of us want to do what the we want to do. Right? You might want to say that because that's not going to sound good, but I'm just saying, if they can put the jury who could be <laughs> starstruck, you don't know who the state, who the defense is going to call on the stand to testify as to the lackadaisical nature of Hollywood to reduce the level of culpability below the 95% standard that is proof beyond a reasonable doubt because they're not offering prison time or they're not even willing to discuss it publicly and someone died, I smell a weak case. See, you don't, it, it requires only probable cause to charge. It requires proof beyond a reasonable doubt to convict. And this will be a jury trial. This will be a jury trial. Will the armorer be held responsible? Oh yeah, for sure. She might even take a plea. I doubt it, but she might even take a plea. But Alec Baldwin, yeah, I think he's going to be found not guilty. I do. I do. And it's not because he's some snob, A-list actor who, uh, you think about all these other times where he had not had this happen, and then all of a sudden this happened. How many times has he held a single action revolver? Probably less than the other times he's held other types of guns. And see, that's part of the problem. When you have some people, I'll get to those comments in a minute, when you have some people where their only experience has been double action and single action revolvers, but not single action only revolvers, some of you may not even understand the cylinder doesn't come out like a standard revolver now. You said, just look through the comments to see if you had mentioned SAG, a screen actors guild. There's no such thing as an accident with firearms, only negligence. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Are you sure there are no such things as accidents? Because accidents do happen with firearms that have nothing to do with the operator. So we got to be careful when we make certain statements because of the limitations of our experience, because there are certain things that there are certain accidents that do happen. What about a cook-off, right? Operator may have not have had anything to do with that, but sometimes ammunition does things in weird environments. Now, I know what you mean, right? But in this case, could I see him holding on? I've seen students do this on the range, right? Hope oh, Not my students, because I, I try to control it, right? But I've seen other people do this on the range. Finger on the trigger, pulling the hammer back, let it go, boom, still goes off. Why? Your finger is on the trigger. You don't understand the internal mechanics of the pistol that when you pull the hammer back, it pulls the trigger back, and it's just a little small, not even an ounce of pressure, that when you continue to press that trigger, you free the sear, you free the hammer from the sear, causing the hammer to mechanically go forward. Right? You just got to understand. Stovepipes, absolutely, things happen. Things happen, Right? 
Dylan, you said, would it be possible solution to prevent this from happening in the future? Or what would be a possible solution to prevent this from happening in the future? Are there other professions that treat guns lackadaisically? I appreciate the word you use. Uh, it fits very well. Yes, there are professions that use guns lackadaisically. Here we go. Police departments. Sorry, no. Police departments. Do you understand that police officers, and I was a police firearms instructor before I became a civilian one. Do you understand police officers really hit 25% of what they actually shoot at? Some people may say, well, Mike, how could that be? We hear about them shooting all the time. Have you ever thought that the ones that you do hear about are among the 25% that the rest of the people who actually shoot at things don't even really hit them? They don't even really hit. Who am I? Don't believe me. Just Google it. Open source information. There are plenty of reports about the shoddy worksmanship of police firearms marksmanship. Okay? Shoddy at best, right? Say less of security officers, right? Now, we're not talking about SWAT team members where they are stressed, trained over, 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 over and over again for that one time they need to make that perfect shot to reduce the possibility of them missing, even though they still could. Some police officers don't even go to the range until it's time to qualify, and then you got to reteach them basic firearms marksmanship all over again. Oh, I don't even want to get sexist. I don't even want to get sexist. Oh, when we start talking about men versus women, ladies, love you, promise I do. But women cops and security officers be some of the most violators of not going to the range. Not going to the range. You take it out of the holster if you do that. You put it in a safe. You already know what's coming. You know what's coming. Max safes. They got a new safe out. You knew it was coming. Woo! You knew it was put it in the Oh, no, but you got to put it in right. And sometimes it'll still reject you. Oh, that's three times. Okay, there we go. I had to touch it. Sometimes you got to touch it the right way. Here we go. Put it in. Oh, it opened up. See? Oh, I'll talk about this safe a little bit later. Here we go. This is the new safe by Max Safe. It's got some new upgrades to it. It's a wonderful safe. But let's get back to it. Ladies, love you. But sometimes you all are heavily, you are heavy violators of not going to the range and getting in as much as you can that stress-induced training. <sighs> yes, yeah, in the bio. It's, the link is in the comments if you're on YouTube. If you're on Facebook, I'll drop the link shortly. But you got to understand that. <sighs> Look, how many negligent discharges officers have? You never hear about them. Sometimes you do. Most times you don't. You know? Now you said they need to have a SOP. They do, Dale. They do. Oh, it's always one person. Can't you just drill that open? Don't you understand the purpose of a safe is just to buy time? It's just to buy time. Just to buy you time. That's it. That is it. That is it. Just to buy you time. Okay? You said that makes me feel good when I go to the range and local law enforcement officers are there. Well, it just depends, right? Watch them when they shoot. 
You know, and this is not casting a disparaging remark on uh, law enforcement on the whole, but there is a heavy need for better training. We got to be honest about that. It's a heavy need for better training because this ain't going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. So, like I said, I see with this case, and I'm going to read through some of your comments in a minute, right? You said they know he's loaded with cash and his lawyers will do anything to keep him out. Absolutely. I see this being one of these cases. I see it, I see them calling a Johnny Cochran of sorts <laughs> to talk about it. And this is not casting a disparaging, you know, we want to say rest in peace, Miss Hutchins. You deserve to still be here. You do, right? And Alec maybe should have done, not maybe, definitely should have done more things better than what he did. But when we're talking about criminal, civil culpability, oh yeah, he's he's done for. Say less, go on ahead and write it out, pay it off, empty your bank account, got it. But when we're talking about criminal culpability, I smell a not guilty verdict. I smell a not guilty verdict. I smell a not guilty verdict. I smell it. We're talking a movie set here. We're talking Hollywood, right? We're talking that. We're talking that. And that brings a different, that's like saying on a paintball range, don't point that at me unless you're about to shoot. You're going to get shot, right? On a movie set, don't point that gun at me unless you're about you're literally a filmographer. That's what you do. As a filmographer, your job is to be in front of the person, uh, scene depending, right? Your job is to be in front or at least off to the side to get a two-dimensional angled video of a person pointing a gun in your direction. It adds to the, what's that, cinematography? It adds to that. Oh, it's about to go down for real. Don't look at Pulp Fiction, I believe. Wasn't there some scenes in Pulp Fiction? Didn't you literally see Samuel L? Y'all gonna make me. Y'all gonna make me. We gonna go and, we gonna go and find it. We gonna go and, by God, find it. We gonna find it right now. We are going to find it. Come on now. We didn't even have to get far. Didn't even have to get far. Let me pull this up. I mean, we didn't even have to get far. Let me just go ahead and share this tab. Look at these. All these different pictures. Who was in front when that was being shown? Off to the side, right? Who was in front when that was being shown? All these different, all these different scenes of guns almost being pointed at the person, right? And some of you all can say these are pictures. So let me go on ahead and go to it. Bear with me for a minute. 
Let me see. Let me see. Is it? Yeah, right there. There we go. I'm just saying. Who was in front during this scene? Who was in front during that scene? Right? Of course, you could say, well, the shots happened. They changed cameras. Yeah, the camera angle changed. But the camera person did not. The camera angle changed, but the camera person did not. The camera person was still there. And so since you got the camera person that is still there, come on now. I'm just saying. You said, say what again? Yes, let me go find that scene. Come on, that's literally your job. That is literally your job. That could have been the same scene. I didn't see the whole movie. I just remember that part. Okay, yeah, same same scene. Right? Here you got Samuel L. Jackson. Come on now. Who's filming these scenes? Vengeance upon thee. All right, I had to stop it. I hope they don't kill the live because of it. They will do it. YouTube will do it. YouTube will kill my live for simply showing. No, I haven't seen Pulp Fiction. Right? YouTube will kill my lives for simply showing something that's already on there. But you see, what do you have? The cinematographer, the videographer in the line of fire. Now, let me ask you this. Would you want to be on a live gun range in a basic training environment with somebody pointing a gun like this? You see what I mean when I say theater? Where are we at when this is taking place? On a movie set, this is normal. On a gun range in a basic class? <laughs> no. No, no, you don't want to be in, you see what I'm saying? And so if we look at context and we put the jury in the mindset, right? Where they're able to take away looking at Alec Baldwin as an anti-2A, anti-gun person. And they're able to look at things contextually. I, I see them finding him not guilty. This is a movie set. Not a gun range. This isn't even a self-defense situation. This isn't even a homicide. This isn't even a robbery. This isn't a robbery. This isn't anything else but a movie set where rules in other environments are laxed because of this environment. They're making a movie. Jane Callahan Bush says, agree. I am a female law enforcement that goes to the range at least once a week and try to go more. 
I work midnight shifts, so sometimes I am so tired. I never want to make an error, but I have been in active shooting incidents, and they find so many shots in the weirdest places. Something fast is better. I think accuracy is best. I don't want to live with the consequences. Yes. Yes. I've had to dive behind <laughs> tables due to law enforcement officers muzzling the line. And you can't tell them anything because, well, I'm the police. No. Turn that freaking gun around, point it down range, or sit on a freaking bench. I don't care about you being a police. You're not the police when you're here. You're saying say yes. And that's, that's how I run my gun range. I don't, I don't care about your title. When you're here, good leaders know how to follow and when to submit. This is one of those times, if you haven't learned that lesson, you're going to learn it today, you're going to get off my range. It's just that simple. The armorer should have taken command of that situation. But how can you expect her, the young little girl, right, young little lady, to take command in such a reckless situation where everybody's being lackadaisical on whatever little standards. That's all you kept hearing was standards, 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 standards. And then you heard her say, well, Alec Baldwin may not check it himself. Wait a minute. You're the prosecutor. You don't get to eat your cake and have it too. It's got to be this one way. You don't get to give him an out. You don't get to give him any exculpatory. I mean, you do, right? But not in your arguments. Exculpatory evidence by you saying, well, he may not have to check it himself. You literally gave him an out. You literally gave him an out. Now, Dominic says, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the armorer sent home because of budget cuts? Who made that decision? And why are they not being held accountable? Was it Alec Baldwin, Med Center? Or I think you meant that sent her home being the producer? If, in fact, it was him and they are able to articulate that, then you still have a civil issue. I don't know if it rises to the level of criminality because again, we're talking Hollywood, right? I'm not saying Alec Baldwin has zero liability. You don't hear me saying that, but does it rise to the level of criminal life? No, you're good, Dominic. It's all good. Don't get into an accident trying to correct now. now. I'll help you out. It's all good, right? You're right. Hold on. <laughs> Rob, I'm going to read your first comment if it's a movie set there's no reason why live animals should be on it that's not what he, <laughs> that's not what he meant but his first comment was funny i agree if it's a movie set there's no reason why live ammo should be on it anyway you get no argument from me you are 1000 correct but whose job is it to make sure right prime example we hear people talking about, well, I was in the military. Okay, let's go there. The company has a what? Armorer, <laughs> right? The armorer's job is to make sure that when you issue the firearms from the company's arms room, you make sure you're not giving them anything loaded, right? It's the armorer's responsibility of the company who hired her. Thank you. That's what I'm hinging on. The armorer definitely has criminal and civil culpability. Alec just has civil. And maybe a smidgen of pigeon criminal, 
but they're not going to, I don't think they're going to get a guilty verdict, except if it's the sympathy verdict. But I don't think they're going to get the guilty verdict on this because the mindset, right? They said standards. You think about it. There are state laws called statutes, codes, right? Annotated, codified, however your term you fancy. And then there's case law. And then there's the legal doctrine of stare decisis, which is to stay the decision of the previous court wherein jurisdiction is exercised, right? Those are standards. Miranda versus Arizona. You know, Terry Burke, those are standards, right? Those are standards, right? Gun rules, USCCA, NRA, NAGA, universal firearm safety rules, but in what context? In what context? In what context? Right? In what context? Some will say, well, that's everywhere. You've never been any real force-on-force training, have you? Because on first, (laughs) in force-on-force training, there's a lot of rule violation. We're pointing guns at everything. Oh, because it's real. It's real. There are no summary fire. Matter of fact, I'll give you one rule that people who've never been in a real training environment or never been in a real shooting, they don't understand that this rule outside the range environment doesn't even apply. Know your target and what's behind it. Tell me why that rule doesn't apply. I don't have time to say, hey, put the gun down. Wait a minute, ma'am. Hey, can you move out the way? I'm about to get OJ. You don't. You don't have time to do that. By the time you take your eye off and say, sir, hey, put the gun, you're not gonna put the gun down? Well, could you at least step to the left a little bit? You're not gonna do that. You don't have time. You're so tunnel visioned and focused on the deadly threat that's in front of you, context depending, of course, that the only thing your brain is saying, do what you gotta do. That's it. You don't care about what's behind you. Honestly, you don't even see it. So that really only applies in the range environment. That's why in my classes, I don't talk about know your target and what's behind it. Because in context, that's just on the range. That's not in real life. You don't have time to do that. And you wouldn't know that unless A, you've been in that situation before to have that experience, or B, you talk to someone to figure it out, or maybe even see you've gone through stress inoculation training where you know under stress. I didn't think about shit to the left, right, forward. It was all I saw. I didn't even think about what was behind me. I got tapped on my shoulder. I didn't even know it because I was so busy focused on what's in front. You got to understand with these things, there's always context. Always context. And so for Alec Baldwin's sake, notwithstanding the the duty of care that should have been exercised, which is a civil standard, right? The duty of care that should have been exercised. The fact that Hollywood's armorers should have standards that are written down, that are not subject to negotiation and penalties 
for actors who have to, and actresses who when they violate these, they have to pay fines. See, the Hollywood elite is so liberal, I'm not surprised that something like this happened or probably already happened. We just didn't hear about it. It's what it is. It's what it is. You know, it's what it is. Well, that was a lot. Let me go through the uh, comments. Uh, I read they had live ammo on set because they were actually shooting around during target practice. That could have been the case. That could have been the case. Is there a lot of desert area out there? Now, that should not have been the case. You know what I'm saying? But, right? William says, the problem is big-time actors take bigger risk when they are the director. Who knows? Alec Baldwin could have been that kind of person. Right? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, let me see. Diana Ote, why do they use any real ammo? They should only have blanks on the set. That's it. I agree. No argument there. But whose responsibility is it to ensure that it's the armorer? Didn't Brandon Lee die like that? No. Well, hold on. I think what happened was, and I, and I remember this story, and I'm going to try to recount it. Sound off in the comments because we're talking about Brandon Lee. I think what happened was in them discharging some type of blank ammunition, it was something with the wadding where it was a squib load. Uh, and it wasn't a squib load like the traditional squib load. Let me explain. A squib load is what happens when you usually have remanufactured ammunition or reloaded ammunition where there isn't enough propellant. You have four parts, bullet casing, powder, propellant, and primer. So powder and propellant is the same thing, same difference. And so when the firing pin strikes the primer, a little explosive composite ignites, it explodes, a little small explosion, but it's enough to ignite the propellant to form gases, expanding the casing and pushing the bullet out of the casing through the barrel with enough pressure to cause it to push. If you look at the inside of a barrel, right, and you've actually taken a bullet and tried to drop that bullet in the barrel, it will not go all the way through because you have rifling. And then the barrel kind of narrows in a little bit to provide the pressure, counter pressure that needs to happen. And so that propellant must be strong enough to force that bullet through the barrel, right? And out of it. And so what happens is, yeah, I, I see that, Michelle. And so what happens is the, um, there was something with the wadding inside of the blank. And when they discharged it, it got partially stuck in the barrel. The mistake happened, I don't want to call it a mistake, but the mistake happened when before there was a firing of that gun again, the barrel was never checked to see if anything was lodged in the barrel. And so when you look at these blanks, there is a propellant inside of the blank, but there's no projectile. What you'll see in certain kinds of blanks is you may see the actual casing but where the bullet should be, you'll see it crept. Or in certain kind of bl blanks, there could be some kind of wadding. And in certain types of dummy firearms, it's plugged. The barrel is plugged, so nothing's coming out of it. But that wasn't the case in this one, right? 
Um, she, uh, Michelle is saying, although the revolver was loaded with blanks, the gunpowder in the blank cartridge ignited, leading Mass, or whomever that is, to unknowingly fire a bullet fragment at Lee, who later died in surgery. And so it was an obstruction inside of the barrel that when that propellant, you know, fired because the blank was fired, it fired that little thing that was stuck in the barrel. That became the projectile. It wasn't a bullet, but it was a fragment, like she stated. And that little projectile is what lodged into Brandon Lee, right? So it wasn't a bullet per se. Uh, you said that was his co-star. Yeah. Um, so that's what happened with Brandon Lee. And that's what happens when you have an inexperienced armorer who doesn't understand the mechanics about firearms to check, check, check. You know, you were talking about not pointing a firearm at yourself. How are you going to check the barrel? How are you going to check the barrel? You have the action open, right? You look inside, look through the mag well, you know, look through the ejection port. But how else are you going to check the barrel? You got a flashlight, turn it towards you with the action, open the slide, open. And what am I doing? I'm looking through with the gun literally pointing at me. I know it's unloaded because there's no mag in the well, no rat in the chamber. The action is open. So there's nothing in there. And I'm looking at the flashlight, right, or at the light, usually bouncing off the breech face to make sure that I can see through the barrel, right? That happens when you clean firearms, right? And so this is what I'm saying. You know, you need people with experience to be on there and to dominate that. And you didn't have that in this case, but does it rise to the level of Alec Baldwin being criminally culpable to the point where it's manslaughter? I don't know. I think they have a very weak case. I don't want to say very weak. Okay, I don't want to say very weak. That's a stretch, you all. But I think it's a weak case. I don't want to say very weak, but I think it's a weak case. I don't. I think they may be able to get close to, but there's going to still be some reasonable doubt. Can you talk about the fact that he admitted, oh my God, Dominic, you're so correct. Can you talk about the fact that he admitted guilt in a civil case or liability, because it's not guilt, it's liability, same difference, right? In a civil case for negligent use of a firearm and how that could be potentially used against him in a criminal case. <sighs> yes, but it could, it could. But I think if the state wanted to make that as a part of their, right? They might have presented, might, have presented that argument as an offer of proof in this interview. You know, especially if you want to get public sentiment on your side beyond the sympathy of Miss Hutchins, who didn't deserve to die. You, you see what I'm saying? And I just, yeah, you said you think actors will start wearing ballistic vests now? No, I don't think that. I think they're going to hire they're going to standardize, credentialize these armorers in Hollywood. I don't think they're going to do too much to the actors or actresses. We kind of need them to be comfortable enough to have their artistic expression and whatever mindset they have that actually fuels how good their acting could be. So I don't think they're going to mess with that. It's not about whether I agree or disagree. It's just, I don't think they're going to mess with that. I think they're going to go on ahead and just put a standard 
in place like it should have always been. Because I promised I went to go look open source information. I couldn't find anything that standardizes what these Hollywood armorers are supposed to do. I couldn't find it. So I think this would be a call for that. They'll have to get a license of some sort in California. It's in California anyway. Their lawmakers will eat it up. And that's the perfect place to do it. I'm just saying there needs to be some standardization, right? They need to have some certification and continuing education. There needs to be an armorer, a master armorer. I would argue there needs to be two armorers on set. Why? You're playing with guns, right? There needs to be somebody who can check, check, and check your work. There's a real phenomena called the inattentional blindness. Just because you got eyes don't mean you see everything if you're not trained for that thing to see. And then when you're trained for that thing to see, you can't unsee it. You see what I'm saying? There's human error in this. You said that they can go back to the old ways with fake guns made with real blocked barrel. Maybe. Maybe. And you said that happened in New Mexico. Yeah, all the more reason why I think they had live rounds on the set because there was a lot of open area to shoot. See, some of us city folk don't understand some of the country folk. That country folk could literally go out in their backyard with all this space knowing not only the, their firearm, but the maximum effective distance of the bullet they intend to fire and the acreage that they are on, that they know this bullet is not going to go past a certain length because it's just not designed to do that. And what do they do? They literally go out back and they start target shooting, practicing. Expand your horizons and get out the block. I'm just saying, don't be mad. All right, let's move on, y'all. Sound off in the comments about the rest of your uh, thoughts on this. It's very important, you know, at least I think, right? For whatever it's worth. And by the way, this is also going to be on my podcast, On the Mic with Mike. I got a few episodes I have to upload, but I got to start this one and work my way back. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and talk about the Memphis Five. Let me see if I have that in the queue uh, next to be played. No! <laughs> The mayoral election. Now, <laughs> I don't know if I want to talk about that one just yet. What are your thoughts about the Memphis Five? We're talking about the Memphis Five. Those of you all who may not know, um, five Memphis police officers, uh, black police officers, were charged with second-degree murder in the shooting, uh, in the stomping, or what I call it shooting, in the stomping death of Tyree Nichols. Um, did you all get a chance to check out what I was saying about, uh, the, the lack of community, the lack of community. That's important. The lack of community, the difference between black communities, white communities, Right. In a situation where off-duty, they have the opportunity to actually go to other people in the community who support law enforcement. Do me a favor, hit the like button, please. Who actually support law enforcement. They actually get off-duty training by those in the community. Right? 
where are we going to go as black law enforcement officers? Where are we going to go? I'm going to drop the link to see who wants to come up. I'll invite you. If you want to come up, if you come up, cam up. If you come up, cam up. Cam up. Okay, you waive your rights to privacy, all that great stuff. Okay, but I want to hear your thoughts about this. If you want to come up and then join the show. Okay. All right, here we go. Come on up and talk. I just dropped the link. If you want to come up, cam up, come up, cam up. Talking about the five Memphis police officers who did what they did. And of course, next we are going to talk about the uh, Chicago mayoral election. I've got my opinions about that. That's that's something to see. <laughs> Definitely something to see. The Chicago, uh, uh, the Memphis Five. You said, glad I did. You said, there are three line items in any police municipality's agenda. Payroll, insurance, and benefits, and training. Um, care to take a stab at which one they cut first? Oh, hell yeah, training. Training, for sure. Training. Training, training, training. They definitely cut the training budget. They definitely cut the training budget. Hey, Kelly, what's going on? You said discussing the community again. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely slashed the training budget. But this is what I mean when I say this, Dominic. I mean, there is a difference between. So, you OK, let's take your let's take your communities. Let's go Chicago, the Chicago way. Right. Let's take your Beverly Mount Greenwood. Saganash, I believe, right? Uh, certain parts of Urban Park, right? Um, thank you, Dylan. I appreciate that. Certain parts of uh, Hegwish, okay? Um, Ravenswood, you get it, right? Community that, for the most part, loves and supports Field Ridge and Midway. Yeah, right? Love and support law enforcement. Do you think Chatham, Auburn Gresham, Inglewood, Austin, do you think they support law enforcement? Hell no. So let's just say you a copy. You come from Austin. You got to hide. You cannot wear... <laughs> You cannot wear your uniform. I'm going to read your comment in a minute, Kojak Sig, right? Hey, JFB, what's up, man? Yeah, I'm live. We're going to start going back live every Wednesday, right? Um, but you can't wear your uniform, right? Because the minute you are seen wearing your uniform and they see you go inside your place, the block already has a profile on you. You're already targeted. You're marked. You are marked. You have no community to go and talk to regarding the things that you experienced on the job. You don't have that. But in Mount Greenwood, Beverly, and these other cop-supporting communities, you have that. You can go to O'Toole's, O'Shaughnessy's, right? 
you can go there and literally find current, former, and retired cops in the bar, and you can decompress, and you can talk about your day in law enforcement and get that off-duty training. Man, I wanted to beat the crap out this guy, and here you go. Oh, laddie, I understand. Don't y'all laugh in my Irish accent. Oh, laddie, I understand you may want to do that, but it may not be the right thing to do. Let me tell you why. <laughs> and you get that, right? And you are not judged. You are not judged amongst them because they understand the feeling. And now they're going to guide you as to why that may not be the best option. In fact, I will argue, if you are fortunate enough to find yourself welcomed into these circles, that may be some of the best training you will never get on the department. That off-duty in the community training, you will never get that in the department. Too many eyes, too many ears. You won't get the real. You will not get the real. And so that's why I said a community to come to, to be able to vent how you really feel and what you really want to do. You just came off of a homicide where three babies were deleted and the parents act like they didn't care. And you wanted to, ah, but you can't say that on the body camera. You can't say that on the, so you gotta have an outlet and you probably can't go see a psychiatrist because if you go say that to them, they'll find a way to take your guns away. So you go to the bar and maybe you have a shot or two or not. And then you decompress with other people who've experienced what you've experienced and they can give you guidance. I can guarantee you those five officers in Memphis did not have that shit. Let me, I'm going to say something controversial. Y'all already know. I don't care. I'm not going to curse either. I'm not going to curse. I don't think I have to. Where is First Deputy Superintendent Alphonse, what's his name? Alphonse Weisinger? No problem, Dominic. It's all good. Uh, it's going to be on my podcast, On the Mic with Mike. So if you're able to check out the back half of it or even the rest of it, that's good. Hey, Dominic, we're getting close to that time, okay? So if uh, things are still good to go, we got to talk. We're getting close to that time. Um, really, really close. So... We should be back on soon. Um, and I'll talk to you later. Yeah, we're getting, yeah, it's just about to be about to go down. Okay. But they don't have a place to decompress. And I forgot what I was gonna say. It was an interesting point, though. Maybe I'll think about it in a minute. Right. You said, wasn't there a whole fight in one of the Western bars leaving the officer paralyzed from the waist down? Yes. Danny Golden. Danny Golden. Shouts out to you, Danny Golden. Um, I think that's his name. Danny Golden. I think that's his name. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know? And you would think that wouldn't happen there, but it did. You know? But look at the support that he got. The community that wraps its arms around its fallen. You see what I'm saying? We don't have a community like that. Where are we going? Popeyes? Sarge, you're going to meet me at Popeye's and we're going to have a box of chicken and we're going to talk. Yes, I'm going 
stereotypical, whatever, right? Like we don't like chicken, right? You gonna meet me there, we gonna talk about it over some mashed taters, sarge. That would be nice. Where's first deputy superintendent Alphonse Weisinger? Where's he at? Where's former deputy superintendent Charles Williams, who's now in streets and sanitation, right? Where's any of the retired black cops to come back to reach to the community of newer black cops and find a place to meet up and hold shop and talk about things and let them decompress? I can guarantee you these five black officers didn't have that. Who are they going to come home to and talk about the stuff? Hey, Christine, what's going on? Who are they going to come home and talk to about the stuff? Their wife? She don't understand it. I mean, she get it, kind of. She don't understand it all the way. And then there are some things you can't even tell her because shit. Right? What's up, Desmond? You... Said they all they all joined Paragon. Facts, facts. Either that or Monterey, <laughs> right? But I'm saying we don't. We as Black law enforcement, we don't have a community. We don't have a community. We don't have a community. We don't have that. So you gotta stuff your shit. Or hopefully you're lucky enough to be in the mix of other white and Mexican officers and Asian officers. And maybe you'll be able to swap stories. And you know what I'm saying? You don't have any far right or far left people, but they're kind of in the middle. They're like thinkers. Because you can get some extremists on both sides. You can get some cops who are so far right or some cops who are so far left. And then you're like, oh, I don't want to be around that. I'm, I'm really independent. It depends on the issue. Right? And that's not to say, in closing with this particular thing, that's not to say that these officers don't deserve to be punished for what they did. But I can guarantee you, if you look at these five black officers versus Jason Van Dyke, there's a huge difference between Jason Van Dyke doing what he did and still having a community to support him while maybe not approving of his actions. I didn't talk about it yet. That's coming up after the Chicago mayoral election. I took notes <laughs> to stay on track, right? But maybe just maybe. Right. The community, whether they supported him or whether they liked what he did or didn't like what he did, they supported him and they didn't leave him behind. They didn't leave him behind the community he lived in. The officers he might have worked with, they didn't leave him behind. He was still convicted. He still did his time. He still can't. He's on parole now, I believe, or he might be off parole, but he still had support. His wife didn't leave him. You're going to find an angry baby mama amongst one of these black officers. I guarantee it. You're going to find some family members who ain't going to want to have nothing to do with them. You ain't going to have no support. I don't know what to tell you. Ain't no... Look, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be punished. Of course they should. 
because what they did was extremely horrible. But I'm looking at the behavioral aspect of it. The only way they could have done something like that to Tyree, besides the fact that it was allegedly personal. Hey, hey. Besides the fact that it was allegedly personal is they had to devalue him because that, that type of stuff you're doing, that's what you do to somebody you don't value. And that's because you don't see value in yourself first. You don't see value in people. You don't see value in relationships. You don't have any real mentorship. Yeah, they put you in the academy. Yeah, you got supervisors, but you don't have mentorship. When you're talking about education, you got three R's. Rigorous, relevant, and relationships. You got to have relationships. You got to have relationships. Because if you don't have a relationship, no matter what lesson you have, it's going to be kind of hard to make it relevant. It's going to be kind of hard to apply some rigor to it so they can really learn it. Relationships. Those things matter. Those things matter. And no one had a relationship with any of those five. They were like loose pit bulls with no training. It's very sad. It's very sad. I dropped the link. Nobody wanted to come up. I'm cool with it. It's all good. We're going to keep on going. Dylan Davidson. We definitely got to give to others in our community in meaningful ways, especially when you have the capacity to teach others. Outstanding. You are a thousand percent correct. Thank you. Hope you come back, Dylan. You've been, you've been great. And as we, that doesn't mean we always have to agree, right? Kojak Sig 229. Give me the comment, fool. Hold on. Okay, let me pull yours up. Okay. I in a mem- in a member of the FOP, I think you meant I'm a member of the FOP. This made the good ones I know look bad. Retired Air Force Security Forces. I didn't see the stuff. I went to the same school in West Virginia that one of them went to. Hate seeing this. Agreed. Agreed. Nice little uh, picture uh, group therapy. Here we go. Oh, JFB, you silly. Willie, what do you think on the matter? Willie's response, look, I'm, I'm tired of y'all talking about talking about me. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say what I want to say, and you better shut you. You better shut it up. I'm gonna come over there. Look, I don't know if you've been watching. <laughs> Willie gonna watch this and kick my kick my butt. I'm trying to curse y'all. I'm trying to work on my language, so help me out here. Uh, this debate has been so funny. I gotta scroll to the part where they actually argue on stage so y'all can see what happened in this. So this is the WTTW debate. I was just watching this early and the exchange between them. (laughs) Oh my God. Don't look. It's, it's something. It is something to watch. Let's. (laughs) So those of you all who are in Chicago or paying attention to Chicago politics, there's sorry. Sinuses. Excuse me. No, I didn't spit in that. Just to let you know, because it looked like I did when I shook my head. Um, but there are nine candidates running for office. Jamal Green, 
who, by the way, has been doing very well, <laughs> very well. <laughs> if you are in Chicago and you've been following me for quite some time, <laughs> you, I bet you you would have never thought I would say Jamal Green would be doing very well. Because you probably think I got something personal against the man. I don't. Jamal Green has been doing very well in these debates. Very well. Now, do I think he's going to get mayor? No. Here's the reason why. People don't trust his youth and they don't believe that he has the relationships to make the things that he wants to do happen. But I got to give Jamal Green an A++ for his... Yes, I like how he was going door to door too. I got to give, matter of fact... Let me <laughs> go before I play this. Let me kind of do this little official, put them on the screen and then. OK, good. Bam. Perfect. OK, so I like the fact that I, I give Jamal Green an A plus 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 for his evolution as a person. I give him that. I give him that. Oh, I love the way he has been handling these debates. If you have not been watching them, that's fine. You ain't got to, whatever. But I'm a Chicagoan. I got to, right? Because I, I vote. I love the way he's been handling these debates. And he, he hasn't been coming off with that youthful fieriness you would think he would from a position of anger. You can tell he's been well trained and manicured not brainwashed no he's definitely been trained and manicured to be more professional i love the way he's been handling these debates and i love his position on wanting to do that you've been watching the jmb haven't you you know i'm telling the truth will he become mayor no not this time around he will not and the reason he won't become mayor is not that he isn't capable. It's that what he says sounds really, really, well, 99.5% of what he says sounds really, really, really good. And I would tell you, if Jamal was running for alderman in the ward that I was living in, boom, he would have my vote no doubt oh he would have it but not to be mayor of the city of chicago he needs more experience he needs more experience in life and i think that it's like putting somebody who just got their medical doctor's degree as the chief surgeon whoa 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 that's too much. You just became a doctor. Yes, you do have the education. Yes, you do have the residency. You don't have a lot of surgeries, a lot of practice under your belt. You have not gone to a lot of medical conferences. There's relationship building. I don't believe that he has the relation. Yeah, he need to work in the ER first, right? You got to get some stress-induced trauma surgery because you don't get to be the mayor of Chicago without being a beast behind your words, but still being 
classy enough to maintain relationships to get things done. So there has to be a healthy balance. And you don't get to be a Richard M. or a Richard J. Daly in the city of Chicago without understanding how to be a real G as a gangster, but still maintain relationships. Because I remember watching The Wire. And I remember watching when uh, Thomas Carcetti first became the mayor. He was the mayor-elect. And I wrote, yeah, hey, say less, JFB. I'll, I'll read your comment in a minute. But uh, I remember when Carcetti first became the mayor, he was the mayor-elect. And he was meeting with who I believe to be Martin O'Malley. I don't know, Baltimore mayor. He had a cameo appearance. Maybe the name is wrong, but you get what I'm saying if you watch The Wire. And he was talking about, you've got this bowl. And then you got the blacks who want to get something. Then you got the whites and then you got the Jews and then you got the this. And everybody's got to get something out of out of here and out of this and out of that. And you got to be the one to kind of just divvy it up. And it's, and it's a dance. And the thing is, is I don't know if while he says he's progressive, if I'm white, I still remember the time where he was defiant against the police. And white people support the police. You see what I'm saying? So you you gotta just a little bit more time. Just a little bit more time. And I hope he watches this and listens to wisdom, because I am a voter, right? But I think just a little bit more time. You need to get into your 30s, mid to late, close to late 30s. You gotta go past two more mayoral elections. For the people to see, one, the consistency, two, the relationship building, right? Three, you don't need to be mayor to do some of this youthful stuff that you say you want to do. You just got to do it. And when you do that, that's going to put more muscle behind your words that you didn't need the government check to be able to get it done. And you were able to cultivate and craft relationships to really drive the youth in places along with your agenda. You do that. Two more mayoral cycles, you might just get it. You might just get it. They might just give you a chance. They gave Lori a chance, and she, oh, right? So there's that. I got to give J Maul an eight plus, plus, plus. There isn't enough pluses I can give J Maul because if you watch the elections, I mean, the, uh, the uh, debates, and you hear the comebacks that he's been saying, and even in the midst of Willie Wilson and, and, <laughs> Lori Lightfoot, which I'm going to show you in this debate, even in the midst of them fighting, <laughs> J Maul remained calm. Like, it was just, <laughs> hey, I I'm not blowing smoke up his butt. Y'all already know me. If you've been following me a long time, you already know the beef that, and we didn't have beef, right? But the history between me and J Maul, you know what I'm saying? Kind of sort of. It wasn't really history. I don't know him, know him like that, but it's passive. So for me to say what I'm saying, I really got to believe it. I don't sugarcoat. I really got to believe it. Jamal, keep going. You are not going to get mayor this time, and I think you know that. But man, oh, you have matured. My God, have you matured. And if you were going for alderman, do say less. I would go out and campaign for you. I promise I would, because I love what you're doing about the youth. Oh, oh my God, I love it. All right, let's move on. I'll be all day. He's, he's improved. I got to be fair. I got to be fair. The man has improved. He has improved. Um, I like how people just glancing past some of the stuff 
calls done in the past. Dude, I was CPS when Paul <laughs> was the CEO. And I like, I forgot who said that. I don't know if it was Cam Buckner or somebody else who talked about, no, it was Roderick's, I don't know who it was. But somebody said, it could have been Cam Buckner. We got to get a superintendent of schools and not a CEO. Because if it was a superintendent, you actually have to be qualified as a prior educator to get into that position. Paul has never been an educator. So he could fit into the CEO position, but he's never been an educator. Right? He's never been an educator. So that was a wonderful point right there. Um, let's get to somebody else. Um, here we go. Let me find somebody else. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, good. Sawyer. <sighs> uh, Roderick Sawyer. I probably got to find a better picture. This this little picture does not do him justice. Because he looks like he's sucking on something. Cheese. Okay, I'll give him that's a better picture. All right, good. Roderick Sawyer. I will say that he is a seasoned alderman. Does he have the relationships? Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, the sixth ward does not look better. It does not look better. And he is the alderman in that ward. And so my thing is, I keep thinking, <laughs> JMB, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Oh, my side is hurting. <laughs> oh, my lord. All right. <laughs> you ain't nothing for that one. All right. Um, I remember. So, those of y'all who know my business address, Roderick Sawyer's automatic office is right on the next block. Like I can walk out of my business, turn my head, see his automatic office. I remember there was a water main break right in front of the building that my office is in. I there are things around the sixth ward that don't even get taken care of. So my thing is, if you aren't faithful and just over the little, how can we put you in city hall? Does that make sense? If you are not, now don't get me wrong. He sounds very good in the uh, debates. He really does. But when I look at the ward that my, that my business is in, <laughs> you said he, he didn't know he's still working remotely. Right. It's just, <laughs> I'm just saying like, and I could be wrong. Maybe there are some projects that he's done and I don't know about in fairness, but I'm just going according to the things I see within the ward. You know, like if you were the alderman in 19th ward, would you get away with this shit? No, because they would vote your ass out. I, I'm just saying, you know, but whatever. I'm not voting for him. I just, I wouldn't vote for him. Uh, moving on. And he's not going to get it anyway. Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, 
Will she make the runoff? It's possible. <laughs> it's possible she might make the runoff. Uh, the polls seem to have her making the runoff. She might just. I mean, Lori four years ago is not Lori today. There's a lot. <laughs> hey, yep. Next. I'm just saying, will she make the runoff? It's possible. Moving on. I got to show you this scene. Here we go. Paul Vallis. So Paul Vallis, he's the <laughs> he's the former CEO of Chicago Public Schools. <sighs> okay, Paul Vallis is really a Republican playing Democrat, much like a lot of working class city workers in these neighborhoods. They only play Democrat for the bag. But in their heart of hearts, on most things, they are Republican. I'm not judging them. I'm just stating the facts. Support of law enforcement is what? Republican. Strong belief in family values. Republican. Strong belief in community and doing for self. Republican. Good schools and, you know what I'm saying? Republican! I'm just saying it's Republican. So Paul Vallis is said to be a very good contender for, one, the police. Two, making a runoff, right? Three, definitely has the support of the working class city workers in Chicago, there are some things they could talk about in relation to the schools. That's not going to really hurt Paul. I don't think that's going to really hurt Paul. I think that this would be his second time running for mayor. Um, for <laughs> I know you're talking about. Yeah, second time running for mayor. I met with him in person. I met with him in person at his campaign office. Good dude. You know, plus I remember he was the CEO uh, when I was in school. So I, I remember him passively. He didn't have, he had I think he had a mustache, but he didn't have the beard goatee thing going on. Um, and had more brown hair than gray hair, obviously. I was, you know, years ago. Um, but if you're a person from, you know, 19th Ward, Beverly, Mount Greenwood, Ravenswood, you know, stuff like that, working class Chicago, and, you know, um, you you would go with Vallis. You would go with Paul Vallis. You, you would go with him. You would go with him. Um, I being a security instructor trainer have an issue with him wanting to do away with the security on the red line. You could use them as a compliment. Other than that, I can see Paul, I can see him being a great candidate for making a runoff. Um, he's got great points. He's got some okay points, but he's got some great points, right? Uh, in certain areas. Um, here we go. Who else? My lord. Look. Now. Hold on, y'all. Let me let me sip, bro. And it's nothing. No alcohol in here. This is this is vitamin water. It's lemon. I had to take a sip for this one. Um. 
the Willie of four years ago is not Willie Wilson now. Willie has gone gangster. <laughs> He's gone part gangster, part more incoherent than before. He definitely takes things personal. Oh, and he's got some funny comebacks. Like, I remember J-Maul said something about Willie Wilson with a comment about hunting them down like rabbits. And then, nope, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to find the doggone thing and I'm going to play it for y'all. I want y'all to see it yourself. This is, let me see. Uh, I want to spell it right. I want y'all to hear it yourself. That, it was too funny. This was too funny. Hold on, let me find it. No, that's not it. It was locked. There it is. I'm about to say that's not it. Connect with the community so that we can work on result. the resulting fact change going on. This right now. Another thing, um, violence intervention. Uh, we should... Bottom up. What we're doing is not working and don't let this mayor double down. Let's do better. Thank you. We move on to J. Mall Green. Same question. What three new things can I, can would I you do? No, no, this is a forum. This is a forum, not a debate. You will have more time when the next question comes up. Okay. J. Mall Green, 60 seconds. Let me, I, I wish, I really wish that our mayor would just stop lying to the people and just be honest, right? We need, we need to make sure that we have a mayor that is able to step up and say yes! what we're doing is not working and we're going to try new Hold things. On. So we're going to do plenty of things. One of the things is we're going to put $100 million into alternative response agency of social workers to respond to mental health calls to free up police. We're also going to dedicate $30 million to a youth intervention department so that there are youth interventionists to put young people on the right path. We're also going to reopen up all the mental health facilities that were closed down to tackle mental health holistically. We're going to also have a reentry program embedded in Cook County Jail, as well as into the Department of Corrections, so that we can make sure that folks who come home have the resources and uh, the support that they need. We're also going to invest in a block club infrastructure program so that we can organize block clubs all across the city because when you invest in people, they can police themselves on their blocks. And those are the first responders is the people on the blocks. And that's how we're going to have public safety in this city. From you. Oh, I love I love what he had this. I'm sorry. I, I mean, he, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Is that it? Hold on. Let me see. I think this was it. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Y'all got to hear this. Hold on. You have Tyree Nichols. You have George Floyd's. You have a member. You have a 70-plus-year-old man on this stage who is a sharecropper from He's down south who would get on TV and constantly double down on hunting people down like rabbits. He should know what that means and know how it feels. And when you have that mentality that Willie Wilson has, um, you have Tyree Nichols. You have George Floyd's. You have Anjanette Young's. We cannot have that in this city. We should not even be continuing to talk about expanding the police budget. And since Lori is so pro-police, uh, when I'm mayor this year, I hire her as one. 
we have to really tackle the real root causes of what's going on. And that is our young people. Schools should be open throughout the day and on weekends with programming. Young people should have year-round apprenticeships, 13 years old to 25. Our kids are smarter than Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, but we have to invest in those young people and make them uh, uh, fulfill their fullest potential. And that's what we're gonna do in our administration, not continue to talk about how we're gonna expand the police department. Uh, Willie Wilson, J. Mo Green threw a punch there, uh, 30 seconds. Well, I don't respond to kids. <laughs> but, but, I, but I will respond to, I will respond to the mayor of the night. He, he now, <laughs> okay. When I first heard that, when I. <laughs> Hey, I'm not going to lie. When I first heard that, I couldn't stop laughing. And I couldn't stop laughing oh, simply because that's how people see J-Maul. They see him as a kid. But I like how J-Maul handled that. Now, that's one half of it. On the other half, I got to rebuke Dr. Willie Wilson. I got to rebuke him because in saying that, that's part of the reason these kids are running around doing what they want and causing the destruction because as the African proverb says, a child not embraced by the village will burn it to feel its warmth. And so if in fact he is a kid, as you say, that would be the time to wrap your arms around him, and I get it, politics makes strange bedfellows, this is, a, this is a race, not a this, not a that, but that would have been the time to show your leadership in saying that, well, he's not wrong, but you see what I'm saying? And I get it. You don't want to give an advantage or an edge to your opponent, but he could have answered that a lot better than how he did. And so just think about those who support Jamal Green. Just think about how them hearing Willie Wilson say, look, I don't respond to kids. And you got to understand, I was born in this world and I, don't make me have to take you out. I promise before God, you don't, look, you're going to shut up when, 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 hey, when wisdom speaks, you're going to shut your mouth or else. You know what I'm saying? That would have been a time for him to show his leadership. So let's just say he does become mayor. He ain't going to get it either. But let's just say he does become mayor. All the kids who liked J-Mall, I can imagine them seeing Willie and just bullying him. I can see that. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. And so it was funny but after I stopped laughing, I had to really think about it. His response is like a lot of abusive parents' response where they hear the kids, but they don't respond to them. And is that the kind of leader that we want on the fifth floor at City Hall? Someone who hears the kids, but doesn't feel that they are worthy enough to be responded to. 
Yes, Christopher. He missed the opportunity to show wisdom and maturity. And he's supposed to be a doctor of divinity. A religious doctor. But he doesn't respond to kids. So not only did you insult his position where he was a thousand percent right, you emasculated him in front of the city. You emasculated that black man. If you vote for Willie Wilson, you are a fool because that's part of the problem. Don't let those gas giveaways and that free food fool you. He wants some sympathy for his son being shot and killed. But then you have a black man such as Jamal Green who has overcame some things, learned some things, trying to fight and be a vociferous advocate for the youth. Though he may not get mayor, he has a lot of promise. And at the shining moment, when you could have shown your maturity and grace, you emasculated him by calling him a kid. But you want to be the mayor of Chicago. Remember what I said before? The Willie of four years ago is not the Willie you're seeing now. Moving on. Alright, here's not anything. I was no way I was gonna play. Nope. Oh yeah, this is gonna be funny too. They was fighting on this one. I think this is around this area. Might have been here. Alright, let me get to some of these other pictures before I play that. Uh, we're not even going to her. All right, here we go. Sophia King. Uh, well, let's get a better picture. I don't know if there is there is a better picture. No, that's probably not better either. She doesn't really have a lot of... Moving on, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. All right, here we go. <clears throat> She's not going to get it. Um, I see her regurgitating other people's talking points. She may be good in her ward, and I don't know if she is or not. I don't know to say, but she's not going to get it. She definitely ain't going to get it. I think she was just thrown in as an implant to meet the woman-on-woman -woman thing with Lori Lightfoot. Uh, she's not going to get it. Not even close. Um, she definitely regurgitates a lot of the talking points of other people. And her favorite phrase, remember when Preckwinkle was running last year for uh, election? You know, Chicago is a beautiful city. And it's a city with walls. It's a city with water. It's a city with halls. It's a city with town halls. It's a city where, you know, and it's always this right before she gets to her point. Sophia's, Sophia King's thing is, so yeah. See, we, and it's always, so yeah. Like, I just, I don't see her on the fifth floor. Not even close. Uh, not of City Hall. She might be on the fifth floor in the county building. She might be on other fifth floors. But I don't see her in City Hall. 
she definitely regurgitates a lot of the talking points of other people. Now, she did have an awesome, awesome, awesome point when she was talking about this is something the mayor could do right now to increase productivity and increase uh, time where officers get to, um, yeah, get to uh, get off, you know, time off. Now, I'll answer your question, Buck Rogers. Um, she said what they can do right now is they can extend the shifts to where instead of just having, I believe they are on 10s or maybe 8s, whatever, they can do two 12-hour shifts, uh, and then they got four on. That's not four. Four on, three off, and they can do it now. Hey, I'd, 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 work two tw- I'd work four 12s. To have three days off, I would work four 12s. Say less. I'd definitely work four 12s. Now, here you go. Buck Rogers. Well, that kid did insult him first. Show respect to your elders, maybe. Buck Rogers, no. And I'm going to tell you why, no, right? Christy, you said facts. I disagree. I disagree. He did not say anything that was wrong. He was responding to Willie Wilson's uh, comment about hunting them down like rabbits. In context, I understand what he meant. I also understand how that statement could come off as, and you do have to be sensitive to those who could take that statement and take it out of context and find offense with that. And that's what he was speaking to. He didn't call him out his name. He attacked him on the statement. And Dr. Wilson came back and said, well, I don't respond to kids. So he did an attack ad hominem, attacking the person instead of attacking the position. So there is no respect. You want it, you have to give it. And that's the one thing these parents and elders have seemed to have forgotten. That you're going to get what you give, regardless of your position. He said, I'm going to be honest with y'all. In the greater scheme of things, four years really isn't long enough to get anything done for real. For real, that's why I think Lightfoot's going to get it again. You're not wrong. You're, you're, you're not wrong. You're not, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. That is JFB. You're on to something. You are not wrong. Christopher Jones says, uh, Chrissy says they're both up there being politicians. Facts. Uh, Christopher Jones says he was correlating that statement with the fact that Dr. Willie came up through uh, Jim Crow. Yes. And that as a sharecropper, Willie Wilson isn't even a native Chicagoan. Neither is Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot lied saying, matter of fact, you got to go look at some of the other ones because they had individual interviews too on WGN. She said she was born and raised in Chicago. I'm from Chicago. You are not from Chicago. You are from another small town in another state. In fact, you went to go visit them during their homecoming game. You are not a native Chicagoan. You've been living in Chicago for quite some time, but you are not a native Chicagoan. Neither is Willie Wilson. Stop lying. So, yeah, Sophia King, she's not going to get it. I, didn't, I don't really find any a lot of value in what she has to say. She definitely repeats a lot of talking points. Uh, here we go. Brandon Johnson. 
So Dr. Brandon Johnson, I believe he's a doctor. He's a Cook County commissioner currently. Uh, I don't know what district, but he is a Cook County commissioner. He says he's done a lot of things. He touts his experience as an educator, though there are people in the audience that boo him greatly. Uh, it's alleged. I don't know if it's true or not. But I'm only going according to what I've read in the comments and what I've heard. So he couldn't even sue me if whatever, right? Um, it is the case that, or it is said that there was some issues between Brandon Johnson and the teachers union regarding dues. I don't know how true or not it is, but outside of those people who shout against him in the audience, he says a lot of great things uh, in certain cases. He sounds very articulate. I love a great orator. But moving past that, looking at the crux of a lot of what he says, um, he likes to keep it 100. And he will say that in the midst of the debate or the forum. And it's like, if I'm in Bucktown, what does keep it 100 mean? What does that, I don't listen to your, so what, what does that mean? Outside of that, um, he says that I'm the only one who's going to keep it real on the stage in that I cannot promise I won't raise your taxes. And it's like, he said it without saying it. I can respect him for that. I don't know if he's going to get it. People say he might, he might make the runoff. I don't know. He is a contender strong i guess we'll find out um yeah all right talk to you about paul vallis cam buckner let me get to him uh do, 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 do. good cam buckner currently he's the illinois state rep um i don't know what district he's out of i do know this sophia king and cam buckner share the same building 35th street west or east of king drive they share the same building. Um, Cam talks some good stuff, but I don't know enough about him to say I would vote for him as mayor. That is just my opinion. I will do what you want. I don't know enough about, I do know this. He was a sponsor on the gun ban. Need I say more? He was a sponsor on the gun ban. Moving on. That doesn't make him a bad politician. All right, we'll move on. Let's just move on. All right, uh, who's left? I think I covered everybody. Oh, no, Chewy Garcia was not here for this one. Um, Chewy Garcia definitely has the chance to, I'm not running for office. I'm never running for office. Any VER, never. It's not going to happen. I Politics makes strange bedfellows. I don't want it. Um, Chewy Garcia did not make this uh, uh, forum. There is a forum going on tomorrow night on Fox 32. I will be watching that. Will I? No, I won't. I'll be in training. I'll be in training. So uh, I won't be able to watch that one, but I'll catch the replay like I normally do. 
you said King was put in to split the woman vote. I agree with you. I do agree with you on that one. Thousand percent. Yes. Um, so when I look at Chewy Garcia, Chewy Garcia is in the top three to make the runoff. One of the reasons I say that is because in Chicago, the Hispanic Latino, I will not call them Latinx. I will not call them Latinx. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. The Latino, the Hispanic community, right? Um, I will say this. They are the majority minority in Chicago. And I think that one, for the people, for community, they will put him in office or attempt to, which I don't see anything wrong with that. You got to back your own. I, I get it. I get it. Totally get it. thousand percent. Um, I think that Chewy definitely has the relationships. I really do think so. I think that you said, yeah, y'all saw that once Janice Jackson stepped out. Yeah. I think that Chewy definitely has the relationships. I believe he was in city council as alderman. I know he was a county commissioner. I don't know if he did anything at the state level, but I know he's U.S. rep. He's a representative. So he's literally been at city, county, and federal levels of government, along with working alongside Harold Washington during his campaign. <clears throat> and so... Though you got to pay attention to who Lori Lightfoot throws shots at. The ones she throws the most shots at are the ones to look out for because she's not really throwing shots at Jamal Green. Let me tell you why she's not throwing shots at Jamal Green or Sophia King. Now, Sophia King is throwing a lot of shots at Lori. Lori is not throwing those shots back at her. Why? First of all, Lori is the one to beat, number one, because she's the incumbent, okay? And people, it's like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, right? But she does not fear them. Yes, she does not fear them. She is not throwing shots at Sophia King. She doesn't see her as competition. She's not throwing shots at Cam Buckner. She doesn't see him as competition. She's not throwing shots at Roderick Sawyer, she doesn't see him as competition, right? She's not throwing shots at who else? Uh, Jamal, Sophia, Cam Buckner, uh, Brandon Green. She's kind of throwing shots at him a little bit, a little bit, but it's not a lot. Chewy, yes. Paul, yes. Willie, eh. Slightly, very slightly. So the fact that she's not throwing shots at them, we can go ahead and count them out. They're not going to make it. They're just there to make the race fun. I think that, <laughs> Charlie, you saw else. I think that who makes the runoff is going to be between Lori, Chewy, 
and Vallis. I think they're going to make the, it's going to be between those three. Willie, last election, Willie could have come close. In fact, he pulled all the black uh, uh, districts, you know, wards or precincts or whatever, right? He's not, pull, well, he's going to try to buy his way with the groceries and the gas. But somebody like, <laughs> how real can I make this? Somebody like Willie Wilson is not paying attention to the fact that you could sit there and buy all the groceries, gas, and maybe even some ass if you want to. And people are still vote for whoever they want because these things are mutually exclusive. You're giving away to make your name relevant. Cool. But when they heard you say hunt them down like rabbits, it's, it's not really going in your favor. It's just not. And then when you listen to how Willie Wilson has been handling himself in the, it doesn't, it sounds very incoherent. Like he's tired and should be in the background assisting someone like a J-Mole. You see what I'm saying? With more maturity, of course, more, more experience. You get what I'm saying? He could be a king maker, but not the king himself. So I just think Willie needs to, you know, a couple of times like he's about to fall asleep on stage, you know, and it's not, it's not talking about him as the person, but it's just, it's just time out. Lies, plot twist. Arnie Duncan just entered the race. That would be good. You pit Arnie Duncan against Paul Vallis. That would be good. <laughs> Two CEOs. That would be real good. Uh, Arnie would get it. Arnie would get it. Arnie would get it. You'll see Barack Obama coming out. But <laughs> try to back it. Uh, Artie would get it. Artie would get it. Uh, Artie, excuse me. Artie would definitely get it for sure. Just like remember when uh, Alexi Janulius was running for Secretary of State against like David Moore. When Alexi Janulius entered the race, I already knew he was going to get it. Alexi, come on, man. He played ball with Doug on Barack Obama. Oh, man. He's definitely going to get that. You know that. You know, even though David Moore would have made a good Secretary of State, Alderman of the 17th Ward, you know. So I think that here's my predictions. Who will make the runoff? Vallis, Chewy, Lightfoot. It'll be between those three. The rest don't stand a chance. Uh, I was going to say he should be somewhere having barbershop talks with the younger generation. You are correct. I would listen to Willie. You know, I'd probably make fun of some of the things. Look, Keisha, I sat there and told you, don't have my camera placed in that way. You turn around. You cut that shit. Oh, hello. I'm Willie Wilson. I'm voting for mayor. You might have seen me in certain commercials such as, and we would have had fun with that. I swear to God, we would have had fun. But I would listen to Willie. I would. I would listen to him. But I don't think he should be mayor. I don't think. This, this Willie is not the same as four years ago. Four years ago, I think I, did I vote for him? I did. Four years ago, I did vote for him to give him a chance. I would not do that this year. No, that would not happen. That would not happen. Yeah, you say it, Willie Bricker. Precious lies hit my head. Leave me on. Hear me stand. I need thee. Every shout, Lord, I'm singing. Every I heard. <laughs> 
laughing my shit. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Um, he said, I'm guessing that J-Mall is only running to get payback for Lori, terrorizing him uh, as a child from, uh, I'm not, y'all stupid. Willie, uh, uh, J-Mall has matured a lot. He really has. He really has matured a lot. I, I got to give him his kudos. Hey, and you probably would never hear those words come out of my mouth, but I got to give it to him. Um, if he was running for alderman in my ward, without a shadow of a doubt, I would vote for him. I really would. I love his evolution. I love J-Maul's evolution. I swear I do. I, I I do. I do. And if he was running for alderman, I would vote for him. I wouldn't think twice about it. You know? Um, yeah. I would, I would be willing to give him a chance in an automatic election than I would right now in Chicago. Give me two more, give me eight more years, more seasoning, build more relationships, I would vote for him to be mayor. I promise I would. And it can't just be all about black because Chicago isn't all black. See, I think that's where J-Mall, you see what I'm saying? It's like, he sounds good for black folk. He needs more experience. But then you leave a white folks out. You can't be a mayor of a world-class city and then leave anybody out. You, you can't even come off that way. You see what I'm saying? Because you need percentages of those who vote, right? So I just, he needs a little bit more. He He's on his way. He is on his way. J-Mall is on his way. Oh my God. And I really hope that after the election, you know how people disappear, right? I hope that J-Mall starts to bring some of these young programs to fruition. You don't need to be in office. Yes, Christopher. J-Mall would be better served with seasoned counselors in his corner. And it's like those of us in Chicago who would vote if we believed you had the relationships to make it work, you just might be qualified to be mayor of Chicago. You know, but you need more. You need more. So, you know, I hope he does watch this. Good job, J-Mall. You have evolved, bro. Oh, my God. I loved it. I spent about an hour talking positively about J-Mall to a couple of people. It was wonderful. It really was. So I am very proud of him and his evolution. He just needs more. And I hope he don't, I hope he really stays trying to support young folks because that's, oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, but he ain't going to become mayor this time around. It's not going to happen. Uh, oh, let me play this last part. And then we talk about the gun ban for a little bit because there's a lot of cases going on uh, in the courts. And uh, that's where we are in limbo, right? We ain't talking about we ain't talking about Lightfoot. I mean, we, we already said she's going to make the runoff. I think she's going to make the runoff. And if she doesn't make the runoff, it's either going to be between Lori and Vallis or Lori and Chewy or Chewy and Vallis. But it's going to be the combination of those three. The other ones are not going to make the runoff. They're, they're not going to. And J-Mall is first place on the ballot, but he's not going to make. I mean, the polling has him at... 0.6. So he's not even one percentage point. So I think that's what it was or something like that. But it's very, very low. So if polling has you low, you know, wait a minute. 
Last election wasn't Lightfoot. Well, hold on now. Let me tell you how Lightfoot got into office now. Let me tell you how Lightfoot got into office. First of all, let me put the picture up. I think that's fair to put the picture up. You know, I want to talk, we're talking about Lori and I got Cam's face on there. Okay, so first of all, people didn't pay attention to the fact that Lori was like a nuclear or a nuclear-powered submarine. Let me tell you why she was like a nuclear-powered submarine last election. One, black, okay, Preckwinkle, black, right? So you got the black, right? Then two, Lori's a woman, right? Preckwinkle's a woman, so they're on equal footing, except the fact that Lori's short, Preckwinkle's tall, and wears blue suits, right? Same difference. Um, You guys are funny. I can't read the comments because then I'll be off, right? Here's this. Lori is a open lesbian, right? So she's a part of the LGBTQIA plus community. I can't think of the rest of the letters, but I'm doing, I'm trying to, right? Uh, so she's a part of the LGBTQIA plus community, okay? Uh, Preckwinkle was not. So in terms of advocacy, the one element platform that transcends all lines of division is the LGBTQIA plus community because you got black, white, Hispanic, Asian, right? Male, female, boy, girl, man, woman, binary, cis, transcends all lower, middle, upper class, the LGBTQIA plus community covers all of those. So then you got, and married to a white woman too, right? So then you got that community, LGBTQIA plus, right? Transcends all of the labels, both open and closeted. So when you're talking about an advocate for a powerful community, that's what made Lori the nuclear-powered submarine because she was able to glide in undetected. You knew she was there, but you didn't expect her to make the runoff. You didn't expect to make her the runoff. Right? And so when she made the runoff... <sighs> People were surprised. I was too, right? You didn't expect that. But she was the torpedo. She was the in the waters and you didn't know she was there, but you knew she was there. And people voted whose votes you will never know, who will never say who they voted for, but they voted for an advocate. That's how she got it. Because if she had been, <laughs> if she had been Lori Johnson, whose husband was named George or Cleotis or Mayfield. <laughs> She'd have been at Josephine's on 79th Street coming at Afro because she wouldn't have got it. She <laughs> Come on. Y'all know I'm telling the truth, right? Y'all know I'm telling the truth. She'd have been married to goddamn Cleotis and her name was Lori... <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm telling the truth, right? So if she was straight, she wouldn't have got it, 
Yeah, Cleotis, Cleotis Mayfield Johnson. Or, or, or here we go, fuck it, Greenberg. Lori Greenberg would not have gotten it if she was straight. You already know it, right? <laughs> they would have called her Bertha Johnson. She would have, she would have got that shit. And you know, federal prosecutor or not, she would have got it. So, but I don't think that's gonna work this time around. And you know who could have given her a run for her money within that community? Ray Lopez, the alderman in Inglewood. He would have gave her a run for her money because they're both of the same, you know, community. But then when Chewy got in and you got Hispanics that have a majority minority, you can't have Ray Lopez and Chewy Garcia in. Chewy has way more relationships than Ray. So then now you remove one from the community, right? But then you got a strong Hispanic Latino leader. Where even if they don't like, well, no, Ray is Hispanic, right? But Ray is not a stronger relationship coalition building Hispanic like Chewy Garcia is. Chewy, he's got way more time in politics. Way more time. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. It's, it's, he's not strong enough. He's not strong enough. Right, it's not strong enough. So, yeah. Um, I said it. You heard it here. I don't, I ain't nobody special, right? But it's going to be Vallis, Lightfoot, Chewy. It's going to be between those three. Because that's who she keep throwing shots at. Um... Let, what I say, I was going. I'm gonna play this, and then we're gonna move on for the sake of time, y'all. Trying to put the record straight. All right, my kid was lost to gun violence. A lot of people right now, kids are lost to gun violence. Parents right now is scared. These particular people walking around on the streets still haven't been caught. Right, but I'm talking specifically about like an unarmed teenager. That situation. Well, we're not. I'm, not, I'm just trying. But that's to put my it question, sir. Unarmed teenager. Yes. Did Did your comments? If, did if, you mean if, them if, to if include you that? You commit a crime. You hurt somebody. You kill somebody. They should be hunted down like a rabbit. That's what I said. That's what I meant. The people who done killed somebody else, <laughs> done, done, done committed a crime. All right. So, so that's exactly what I said. We could ask this in every forum. He's said, going, he said what he said. What he just right? said is absolutely outrageous. Important. Because what he's saying is that because you have the pain of loss of a victim of gun violence, as unfortunately way too many people in the city have, that we should turn our police department into a group of vigilantes to hunt down and kill people instead of inviting by the Constitution and giving them their day in court. What Mr. Um, uh, Wilson says is outrageous, should be condemned by every single person uh, in this room, not just on this stage, right. because we can't have that happen in our city. Okay, we cannot I'm, I'm turn sorry, our I, police I, I, department. I'm, I'm going to give Alder King a yeah, chance to respond here. She has thank you. So I, I wish the mayor would be more, more forthcoming, because what's happening in Austin, you know, there are lawsuits that just happened a year ago that, to suggest that, that we don't have the officers in the right place at the right time. So we need to make sure that our officers are, are more equitably, equitably distributed, first of all. Second of all, we have a plan that day one, 
we can institute more officers, up to 50% in the neighborhoods, in all neighborhoods where we need them. We know that they're not the only solution. We have to get to the root causes. So we have a plan for violence intervention as well, but we have to get to the immediacy of crime now. These plans are, and what the mayor is saying is not- I need, I need to move along to, yes. to a similar issue. There, there's a, the city is in the midst of reforming its historically problematic gang database. Ken Buckner, if you were mayor, would you institute a gang database and what would it look like? Absolutely not. The gang database has not made us safer. In fact, it's made people in communities, many of whom look like me, uh, not be able to, to walk around this city uh, and participate uh, in a way that's fair and equitable. Uh, the fact that we are still going down this road, the fact that uh, we have, like you said earlier, a consent decree uh, that is only 5% uh, complied with, 5%. That means we're a 95% failure. If we're going to do things differently in this city, we've got to change the way we operate. And it has to start on day one. It's about 5% in full compliance. And Mayor Lightfoot, this is happening under your police superintendent, David Brown. Does he wear the jacket for this low level of compliance? Well, this is absolutely not correct. If you look at the last report that came out from uh, the uh, independent monitor, we were at almost 80%. Compliance. 5% full compliance. But we, we are about 80% in compliance overall, and we have moved faster than any other city in the same period of time. So we can, you, there's a, boy, you can, the officer that's over the I want to get to that. Let me bring Jim all green in here. Well, look, let me, let me, the Harris, boy, not the officer that's over the consent decree. You got to quickly, please. If you believe in the consent decree. I appreciate that all these folks want to throw bombs from the cheap seats. The fact of the matter is, the facts are really clear. We are in compliance. We're improving our compliance every single day. And this nonsense that you're hearing from some of these folks is really, really completely belied by the facts. Jamal Green, can, the I, can I bring you in here? The original the question was about the gang database. Would you have a gang database? And if so, what would it look like? No. No, we would not have a gang database under our administration. We're going to actually do what works. And what works is making sure that young people have opportunity in the neighborhoods. We're talking a lot about police here, but I don't hear enough about our young people. Our young people are walking around neighborhoods hopeless, uh, and they need opportunity, which is why we presented a plan to give 13 to 25-year-olds apprenticeships year-round. We're going to open up the schools throughout the day and on weekends. We're going to institute trade and tech hubs throughout the city of Chicago. We need to start preparing our young people and giving them alternatives and making sure they can be productive and mentoring them and giving them the mental health services that they need. And stop talking about police. We need to invest in this, people. This, in our this, young this was the only person on this stage that actually got rid of the gang database is me. We got rid of it at the County Board of Commissioners. Do you know there was an eight-year-old on the gang database? And there was a 108-year-old on the gang database. That is the oldest G in America. And, and it's pretty <laughs> to fail. 75% no, of the folks in the gang database live on the west side of Chicago. And many of them live in my neighborhood. I can tell you what's not working. Of someone who was actually raising a family in Austin, all of the policies up here are calling for the same tired politics that have left our families behind. My wife and I have had to cover our children countless times because of gunshots that have rang right outside our front door. I've released a, a budget plan. No one else has done that. I've released one of the most comprehensive public safety plans that not only get at the root causes of violence, but we actually can promote from within the ranks right. 200 more detectives. I, I, have, to, I, have, to get, okay, I have to get Alderman Sawyer back in here. And this was alluded to a, a little bit ago. Where's that? Uh, there is an IG investigation that found a CPD officer participated in events and had oh, ties to the extremist Proud Boys group. He's been suspended by the CPD, but not fired. Should he keep his job, Alderman no. Sawyer? No, and, and that's him. a problem. 
what I would do was would have been fired him immediately. I don't care what the unions would do. I don't care what collective bargaining would do. We have to set a Although standard. Although there is a process. There is a legal I, process I, that I has to be I respect that, but at the same time, we have to draw the line once and for all and not. Let me pause this real quick. For the record, you cannot just fire an officer. There is a process. They are government employees, and because they are government employees, they have a property interest in their job, and the government cannot deny them the property interest in their job without due process of law. I'm just letting you know. Moving on. I tolerate this kind of hate speech, this kind of hate association. <laughs> you have to set the standard. Even though they may very well get their job back, you have, as a leader, you have to set the, draw the line and say no. Did you hear what he said? Even though they may very well get their job back. So he's in agreement in just firing officers to pacify voters, even though they may get their job back. Why? Because they'll win it back because he's willing to violate due process. Moving on. It cannot happen in Mr. Vallis, this is Officer Baker. Would 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 you fire him and would you prohibit any police officer from associating with any extremist or white supremacist group? Yes. And you would fire this officer? Yes. Well, obviously you have to follow due process, but the bottom line is yes, yes I would be in favor did not of fire like, well, that's, that's, why that's, that's absolutely not correct, Paris. A lot of your questions are laden with premises that's just belied by the facts. This was a, a case that came to the attention of CPD from the FBI. But unfortunately, the FDI did not provide the details of the uh, statement that they, they took from this particular officer. So CPD literally had to start from scratch. They did that, and they put together a fulsome investigation of, of this individual, but didn't believe that they had enough evidence because they didn't get all the evidence from the FBI to be able to fire him. Of course, we should not hire we should not support, we should not retain any officer that is associated with any hate group. No, but of course, we've got to hold on, hold on, Mr. 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 Johnson, please, Mr. Johnson, please. I know, you, I know you want a mansplain up here, but you got to, you got to give me, you got to give me, you got to give me the opportunity. Wait, 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 wait. Which way are you going, sir? Which, which way are you going? Which, wait, 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 wait. Which way are you going? Because you're down here, but you're not over here. Okay, Mr. Wilson, would you weigh in? All right, okay. So, so because the mayor here didn't talk five or six times, yes. she wouldn't got us into all this trouble. So what about way. the specific issue, this officer? Should the, he be fired well, or should well, he keep well, his well, job? Well, look, everybody has to be uh, have a day in court, all right? If you have to be held accountable. All right, wait, 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 we can go out right now. You don't be quiet now, I could keep confused, you know? Right. So, 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 let a person finish, Ms. Mayor. You know, all right. So, I don't let, I don't let the, you, okay? Let a person finish. I'm, I'm right? talking to Mr. Vallis. Well, you shouldn't be talking when I'm talking. Telling Trudy, trying to treat right? me like I'm she some child. You should not be talking when I'm talking, all right? Now we're talking. No, wait, wait, wait. Let me just finish my point. Let me finish my point. This is exactly what the people of Chicago don't want. People up here bickering. They want to hear our solutions to the problems. They want us to solve the safety issues, to have better schools. This is something we have to do. We have to stop all, right. all this nonsense. There, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, a lot of problems that I want to get to. So let's talk about another one. Uh, downtown, several high-profile courts. Oh, God. Not retained. Look, I'm tired of you. You've been shut your mouth. You heard you, you've been seen. And now, Harry, when, when I'm speaking, you shut you shut your mouth. Now, pass the, pass the collection plate. And I'm not playing with your asses either. 
Oh, my God. Any officer that is associated with any hate group. No, but of course, we've got to hold on. Hold on, Mr. 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 Johnson, please. Mr. Johnson, please. I know, I know you want to mansplain up there, but you got to, you got to give me, you got to give me. Mansplain. Who uses that terminology? Who uses that term? Oh my lord! You, I know you want to mansplain. So now you're using the powers of the. Community, you know what community I'm talking about. Let's. Oh, I'm just saying. We got to give me the opportunity. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, which way are you going, no, sir? No which, which way are you going? Which, wait, 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 which way are you going? Because you're down here, but you're not over here. Okay, Mr. Wilson, what's your way in? Yeah. All right. Okay. So, so because the mayor here didn't talk five or six times, yes. she one got us into all this trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what about the specific issue, this officer? Look, everybody has to be uh, have a day in court, all right? If you have to be held accountable, all right? Wait, 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 Right. So, so, so I'm let a person finish, Mr. Mayor. You know, all right. So I don't let I don't let the, the Jew. Okay, let a person finish. I'm, all right? I'm talking to Mr. Vallis. Well, you shouldn't be talking when I'm talking. Telling Trudy trying to treat right? me like I'm she some child. You should not be talking when I'm talking. All right. Now we're talking. No, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me just finish my point. Let me finish my point. This is exactly what the people of Chicago don't want. People up here bickering. They want to hear our solutions to they the all problems. It cool. They want to, us to solve the safety it. issues, to have better schools. This is something we have to do. We have to stop all, right. all this nonsense. There, there are a, lot of, there are a lot, of, lot of problems that I want to get to. So let's talk about another one. Uh, downtown, several high-profile corporations have left the city in the last several years, among them Boeing, Caterpillar, Citadel. The CEO of McDonald's says that his company is committed to staying here in Chicago, but city leaders can't ignore the perception problem that the city has around the country. Cam Buckley. All right, y'all. That's what I wanted to show. Oh, my God. So y'all see what we got, what we're dealing with in Chicago when it comes down to the mayoral election. Oh, Willie is funny at times. Look, Yashida went got us all into this stuff. You got your kids coming off the porch. And they, and, they, and they don't know how. And I just sat there and told you, you got to get them into some kind of pod district program or some kind of, you, you're talking about the taste of Chicago. And I sat there and gave you tickets and everything. I gave you, well, I, I, what happened to the bikes I sent over to the house? They don't know how to ride them. You took the training wheels off and you put them on the grill. <laughs> you took the governor, your truck, you put the training wheels off and you put them on the grill. And she can't even do that. She can't be mayor of Chicago. And it's time you get rid of her and meet me at the corner of 47 in Lake Park and we we'll get you some gas and some groceries because you're going to be in the house for quite some time when I'm there. We put you on house, we put you on house arrest. Oh, oh. y'all stop. I... Why am I like this? Why? <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. I can't. Okay. You said you would vote for Kermit over Lighthead Lightfoot. Okay. Uh, who 
wish Todd was watching. Freedom Steel, go check out Freedom Steel's channel. He gives you the best information on the gun ban. But as it stands, we are what? A month or two or three into the gun ban? Wait, no, it was just signed in January. We're four or five weeks. Our weeks are off. Five weeks into the gun ban, right? Didn't I tell you it was going to take some time? Didn't I tell you all those people saying it's going to be immediate? It's not right now. There were some TROs, some temporary restraining orders that were, you know, filed and then granted, but that's not for the entire state. And if you're waiting for it in Cook County, you might as well wait. It's coming around a corner, but that corner could be a long ways away, right? Yeah, so you get it. Now, William, you said, who would I vote for? That's a great question. At present, who I would vote for would be. Well, it won't be Lori Lightfoot. That's for sure. It won't be. Um, you think people in the ranges taking notes? They might. They might be. Um. See, Chewy is for getting rid of security officers, too. And that's my base. Valis is, too. So they're both equal. It'll probably be Paul Valis. Yeah. Yeah, it'll probably be Paul Valis. Now, who do I think is going to win? <laughs> um, Paul Vallis might. It's a strong Lori. Oh, no, Chase is there. Chase is there. My kids love Chase. I think Lori would get it. <laughs> I hate to say it. I think Lori is going to get it again. And see, here's here's why I say that. Here's why I say that. How many Mount Greenwoods, Beverly's, right? How many people were talking about Kim Fox so strong? It didn't stop her from getting back in. You see what I'm saying? Like, y'all talked about her so bad, yet you were not powerful enough to get her out. You see what I'm saying? Like, how, how strong is your political muscle? You know? So, I look at it, and I really think that yeah, I would vote for Paul Vallis. That's just me. I met with Paul personally. I like him. Uh, I'm not a fan of his whole wanting to get rid of security thing, but I think Paul, you can work with Paul. You know, there, there's, because I get his position. He's extremely pro-police, but he's not so pro-police to the point where he's anti-kid. And I think he would do good with the school's program. See, I remember... 
I remember, um, dude, when I was in high school, Paul Vallis was the CEO. We had a lot of after-school programs in the school. Paul is not lying about that. I used to be a lifeguard for one of those programs. So, And the program was in the same school I went to, and it was after school. That was my after-school job. Paul is not lying about that. Paul is definitely a reasonable man. Michael said, I didn't know LeBron James had his own channel. I am not LeBron. But I think that you could actually work with Paul. Like, Paul would listen. I really do. Um, Chewy reminds me, because Chewy would get the Hispanic vote because that matters. I get it. If Paul was not running, Chewy would definitely be, he'd be who I would vote for next. You know, and it's not because I'm not black and be black and I'm black. No, that's not it. Because if Jamal was a little bit older and had a lot more seasoning and actually showed people who were out there stumping for him where he showed he had the relationships to make it work, it would be J-Mall. It would be J-Mall. It would be J-Mall. It would be, it would be J-Mall. It would be J-Mall. And if he showed that he could build bridges and not burn all the bridges, like some bridges, okay, you got to burn. I get it. You know, but if he could show he could build bridges, like J-Mall is on his way. I believe in him. I believe in him. And I think that, Given a few more years and some seasoning, man, that man's going to be on fire. I just hope he stays upright. He's just going to be on fire. I believe it. Good fire, too. So keep going, J-Mall. Don't stop. Um, but not this time around. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that. Yeah, so I, I, would, I would go with Paul. I would. I would go with Paul. You said the working class filling it right now. And they're going to uh, go for the glory days vote. Yes, JFB. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. They want, I want downtown Chicago to return back to its luster. I remember beef and brandy. I remember downtown Chicago was my shit. Down, dude, you remember during the daily years, downtown was the neutral zone. You could do all the thugging. And bugging and shit, <laughs> but you can't do it downtown. Daly would, boy, Daly would send it up. Let him find out something. Oh, so y'all coming downtown? Bet all the district and area attack teams and gang suppression units flooding and shedding stuff down. You knew you could not go downtown. That was the neutral zone. You knew, and Daly, Richard M., Put it out. You knew. You knew. I used to love downtown. Oh, State Street. Businesses. Oh, beautiful. Jehovah's Witnesses. Do you know Cynthia Chambers' father? I went to school with Cynthia Chambers. Mr. Chambers, you don't even see him downtown talking about who going to hell. And maybe he still is there, but he got to pick a business because there's so many vacant ones. You know what I'm saying? I just... I want downtown Chicago 
to return to downtown Chicago. Yes, flashing cameras on the corners. But yeah, look, hey, I want downtown Chicago to return to downtown Chicago. Downtown Chicago looks like an over-policed, barren wasteland. An over-policed, barren wasteland. Downtown Chicago ain't never been like that. You got downtown Chicago kind of looking like Broadway. And Gary. No, we got, no, there's ways to bring it back, but, so I believe Paul can do it. I believe Paul can do it. Um, yeah, man, it was love. And you never had to look back walking like downtown. You could really enjoy yourself. You could really enjoy yourself. You really could. You know, you really, really could. Yes, it looks like scenes from The Walking Dead, bro. Foot Locker was always a staple. It was Foot Locker. It was McDonald's. You know, Garrett's was around where the old INS building used to be. You know, it, it, it was it was something special. It really was. Now it's just, just driving straight through. You know, Rainforest Cafe is gone. I used to love going to Rainforest Cafe. Rock and roll McDonald's ain't no rock or roll. It's just Mick. <laughs> Ain't no rock or roll. It's just Mick. <laughs> but then they got there want to charge rock and roll McDonald's prices for you to go inside and just see a modernized McDonald's right across from Portillo's. You know, Hard, Ca Hard Rock Cafe is still there. You know, it, come on, man. Chicago, I used to love going downtown Chicago. Michigan Avenue is still cool. You know, but this is crazy. It's crazy. So it's crazy. Um, but I'm going with Paul Vallis. I'm going right now. I'm going with Paul Vallis. Uh, I just think he could he could make it work. Um, he's definitely dealing with the right people, and the working class they gonna give their vote to Vallis. Uh, Hispanics might trust Paul Vallis, but this is gonna be tough <clears throat> because. With you, with you, I, I, if you're looking at it from a chess move type thing, I see Chewy being a power player for the Hispanic community, and they're in the majority minority. They have a chance to make history with Chewy Garcia being the first Hispanic mayor of the city of Chicago. They got a chance to make history. I can see them really trying to push for it. You know, I can see them doing it. I could see them doing it. So this is going to be interesting. Lori's going to still be somewhere in the mix. We just got to see where. All right. All right, y'all. Normally, we have a two-hour show. We've been going long and strong. Uh, two hours, 47 minutes. I've been holding y'all, so appreciate it. The gun, man, we may come back tomorrow and <laughs> uh, for everybody, you know it, boy. You know, oh, Desmond Bennigan's was my favorite on the corner of Madison and Michigan, bro. Is that it? Matt, was it Madison and Michigan or Adam? I could be wrong. I think it was Madison. Madison and Michigan. Oh, yeah. Please buy a kid book, y'all. Please support the channel. Right. <clears throat> um, but here we go.
You said State Street looks like Michigan over here in Roseland. Yes. Yes, JMB. Adams. Adams in Michigan. Oh, man, bro. You said South Water in Michigan? Oh, that's someplace else. I'm, I'm thinking about the one on Michigan. But there was the Bennigan's over there, too. Is it still there? Probably not. But Bennigan's was my stuff. Hey, I used to get the, what, the Count of Monte Cristo, that sandwich? Oh, man, I used to love Bennigan's. I used to love it. I used to love it. I used to love it. Now you got to go through a metal detector just to go up to the beam. Come on, man. I got time for that. I got time for that. That's crazy. That's crazy. You know, police everywhere downtown. Come on, man. Come on, man. We got to get Chicago back right. This is crazy. All right, y'all. I appreciate you all. Uh, podcast on the mic with Mike. It's going to be on the podcast. This replay is going to be on the podcast on the mic with Mike, okay? So you can listen to it on the road, whatever's, right? I think this was a much interesting show. Though nobody came up, right? That's fine. Things happen. Uh, maybe next time, right? But still an interesting show. And I appreciate you all uh, sticking around and, you know, throwing in your comments and stuff like that. So I do have a Twitter page, y'all. I do have a Twitter page, Instructor Mike one right? I'm trying the Twitter thing out. I have not been on Twitter at all. I have not been on Twitter at all. So if you look up Instructor Mike 1, okay? Instructor Mike and the number one, follow me on Twitter, okay? Uh, Facebook, Brown Mike or Instructor Mike. On Instagram, TikTok, yes, Mike said it. YouTube page, Instructor Mike. Yeah, Buck Rogers. You know what I'm talking about? Miss that Monte Cristo. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. You thought the beam was open space? Yeah, before you go through some magnetometers, you know, and some security officers go check stuff. You know, you didn't have to get searched. You said, I uninstalled Twitter because of Elon being a dork. No judgment, but Elon don't bother me. So it's whatever. Uh, I was hoping the sheriff's uh, telling the ATF they are not enforcing the brace ban. Ooh, culinary avatar. I don't know how this going to work out. Sheriffs are saying they're telling the ATF they're not enforcing the brace ban. It might work out. Remember what happened to the sheriff in DuPage County when he tried to say how he wasn't going to enforce the gun ban? And I made a video, excuse me, I made a video talking about how Oh, you're going to end up walking back those comments because look at John Eidelberg, the sheriff of Lake County, where Highland Park is, sit, you know, also in. Yeah, OK, you think you're going to be able to do the same thing as those down south sheriffs? Well, you forgot you are not from Kansas, buddy. You are not in Kansas. You in a different spot. And they made him walk those comments back. So I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Right. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. We will see. We will see. Um, I think it just depends on the politics in the area. And sometimes people forget. Just because the people elect you doesn't mean your position is so autonomous. Your position is established by state law as the sheriff. There's always political ways to get rid of you. How far do you want to go? The sheriff in DuPage County found out just who was the real G. See, you thought that you were untouchable because you were elected by the people. Okay, Chapter 55, Elder Compiled Statutes, Act 5, Division 3, Section 36, 
What is that? That's the code that specifically establishes the position of sheriff for you to be voted to. You better learn your position. Quit playing around with these people because you mess around and end up out of a job. Now, he didn't get, he no, he didn't get let go. He walked those comments back. Dude, when you got U.S. congressmen interfering in a, hold on now, hold on now. When you got U.S. congressmen interfering in a state matter, a state matter, you got no choice but to walk it back because now you got the fans on you. You don't want that smoke. You don't want that smoke. I was just kidding, guys. I'm going to enforce it. You don't have to look at me that close. <laughs> All right. Play them away games if you want to. You forgot where you are. Don't you let them boys down there and just a good old boy. Don't you let them get you messed up. You forgot where you are. You are neighbor to Cook County. We share the same politics, boy. <laughs> and John Eidelberg is up in that Lake County like, I tried to tell you, I'm black. We know how to toe the line. <laughs> I'm just saying, be mad. It is what it is. All right, y'all. Getting close to three hours. How long do I think what? I'll follow you back, Christy. How long do I think what, JFB? Yeah, excuse me. Oh, that happened. Yo, Mike, I'm listening, driving on 294. Things getting strange, I hope. So what I'm going to do for you is this, things getting strange. We're about to end this show because we've been going for two hours and 55 minutes. What you could do is either A, Listen to the replay. Don't watch it. You don't want to get into a crash. Or go to the podcast on the mic with Mike because I'm about to download it and upload it to the podcast. Okay? So you listen to it that way. Oh, how long do you think for it to be challenged? Um, remember I read the timeline to you of the Bruin case? In 2018, it was filed and it wasn't decided until June of 2022. You see what I'm saying? So people think we're going to get relief right away. What is right away? Especially when you got so many lawsuits. What is right away? So get ready to buckle in because it's not going to be right away unless they issue you know, uh, what injunctive relief, temporary restraining order, whatever the case may be for the statewide, then you might have something. Until then, we're waiting for decisions. And the court is anything but fast. Not even when it wants to charge you and try you for murder. How many of y'all remember XXX Stimson and his shooting, right? This was in 2018, Right, I believe, in the wake of the Majority Stoneman Douglas situation in Parkland, Florida, Broward County. They are just now taking those guys to trial. Now. Now. So they're quick to arrest you. But the trial, 
to take his turn. They're quick to file it, but the decision could take his turn. Right? So just be prepared. All right, y'all. Have a good night. Thank you for coming in. Uh, be safe. Love your kids. Hug your kids. They matter. Family matters. Love y'all. See y'all when I go live. We're back every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, unless I'm busy, whatever. I will go live every Wednesday. It may not always be at 8. And if I'm going to be late, I will post to the community tab on YouTube that I'm going to be late because I'm going to be doing something, whatever the case may be. But every Wednesday, we are back. This show will go back to its consistency every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. This is Instructor Mike. We out. Y'all know man, this is Kyrie Wilson, 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 Kyrie Back eight. <laughs>